What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Psychic's Thoughts. Today is the day. We do it again. Like fucking clockwork. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 has just released this week. And I am going to give you my initial thoughts and impressions on the game. As you know how this works by now, hopefully, but if you're new, welcome. I appreciate you joining and hope you can stay. This is an off-of-the-top podcast channel, meaning everything I talk about is not pre-written, not practiced, rehearsed, re-recorded. This is all done in one take off the top. It is done on my phone. Now, that's not because I, I hate you all and I want mobile you know, phone audio quality. No, 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 not at all. I'm actually an audio... Uh, production audio um, specialist in film. No, it's just because I'm busy. And I currently don't have the setup and and time to do a traditional sit-down podcast. My mic isn't set up like that. My mic is configured for standing up and rapping. But then when I record on that mic, I have to edit it. And that's hours and hours and hours of work. And if I'm recording an hour or two or three hour long podcast, I don't also want to spend six to seven hours to edit it when I could be using that time to either play the damn game that I'm talking about to relax or to work on my films and or my rap music. Speaking of that, I would love for you all to go and check out my latest album, Phoenix, uh, on all streaming platforms under Psychic, P-S-Y, K-I-C-K, capital P, capital K, and check out my social media profiles, Psychic34, on all the relevant social media platforms that you choose to follow me on. Of course, I also have my short films posted there, as well as on my uh, new film production company with my uh, colleague and good friend, Mr. Norcus himself, Psychus uh, Productions, P-S-Y-K-U-S Productions on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. So please check us out over there. Go support our short films. And uh, that's about it for the basic intro. So thank you all for listening. I've got a lot of thoughts and feelings towards this game. I've played about, I'd say about 10 to 12 hours total of the full release. And then I played probably another 10 to 15 hours of the beta. Which I know is kind of sad when you think about it, but still. Um, so I have plenty of hours in this game to give it an initial impressions. The reason why I call it initial thoughts and impressions is because that's what it is. The game's been out for two days. It's kind of like a snapshot in time. And on certain games, especially bigger ones that have larger dev cycles and post-production cycles, I usually do a follow-up. I mean, Diablo, I have like five on them. because I got five on it. No, but I have that because... Um, there's more things to talk about every time it, it has a massive update or it's a pretty intricate game. So um, I might do a follow-up to this when I have a little more time with it because there are some more intricate things that actually will take some more time. But this is for the people who are kind of skeptical, who are interested, or maybe if you already have it and you want to learn or at least hear my thoughts and opinions on the matter. And as whole, as always, I will talk about some grander scale things, especially relating to COD. So thank you all for tuning in. Buckle up. We're going to have some fun today. And uh, yeah, here we go with COD Modern Warfare 3 2023 edition. Alrighty, so that out of the way, let's talk about COD. But before we do, I just want to say thank you all once again. And then also, um, I'm going to you know, luckily with the COD franchise and things that are more familiar, I don't have to like do a deep 
overview of the basics because most of you know it. But just so you all know, uh, my intended target demographic audience is everyone, which makes which is why I sometimes overexplain or backtrack or simplify things. So sometimes I'll say stuff that if you're a gamer or if you're an avid gamer, you already know. But what I try to do is I try to balance it. Once again, this is still off the top, so I'm trying to connect these things as I go, which is also a feat in of itself. But with that being said, I do try to make sure it is still worthy of your time if you're an avid gamer. So if you play all the CODs and you know what's up and you have this Call of Duty, this is still worth listening to because I'm going to be telling you things or connecting things on the larger scale that you may not know about the franchise you like to play. Right? So I try to keep it as neutral as possible. I try to share my personal opinions, but as well as give some information. This isn't a guide of, oh, you got to go over here and unlock that. I don't think that's helpful, especially for video games on a podcast format, because you can't see what I'm talking about. If this was a YouTube video, it would be different, you know? But this isn't that. This is talking about the general, my feelings, thoughts, and, I, and ideas towards whatever I'm talking about, and then also connecting it to the broader picture. And this year, more than ever, there's a lot of broad picture in play that I think is contextually important to understand. So if you're a gamer, if you're an artist, if you care about the entertainment industry, if you care about video games, if you care about Call of Duty, or if you're interested to learn more, this is the place to be. So once again, thank you all. So yeah, sometimes I'm going to just oversimplify things because... I try to keep it as broad as um, possible for all audience members. So here we go. The pros. I want to start with the pros because uh, I think that's only fair for Call of Duty. And um, yeah. So as you know, Call of Duty is a is one of the most popular IP franchises out there. It is the most played and popular video game, first-person shooter video game at least, out there. Um, it has been 20 years. It's now 20 years old as a franchise, which is incredible to think about. And there's like 25 or 27 different games, and most of those are mainline entries. So in I think it was in 2000. Seven, eight, when the first Modern Warfare came out, it started, or no, not then. Well, maybe. 2010 or 11, something around then, it started its annual cycle. They learned they could print money and they kept making quality games. So they put three different main development studios on it. So they can all be developing their own COD. Because even though it's all still Call of Duty, it still has its general similarities and feels and styles in a lot of ways between the three main developers Infinity Ward, Treyarch, and Sledgehammer Games and then they have about 12 to 15 at any given point supporting studios to help them with different parts of the process but behind the three main dev studios are three different feeling, looking, and playing CODs almost so distinctly different that it's amazing that they're all COD you know, sometimes they don't even feel or look like Call of Duty in a traditional sense. And so so we look back and sometimes in its 20 years and people are like, why is Call of Duty still so popular today? It's because it's really good at what it does to this day still. And it did things that no one else did and it kept that momentum up for eight years straight. 
Halo couldn't even do that. And God, do I love Halo. But Halo is a different beast. First of all, it was a first-party exclusive, meaning there wasn't the option for you to play it on PC and PlayStation as much in the early days. PC somewhat later, because that's technically under Microsoft for anyone running Windows. But um, So PC was kind of available, but it was trickier. And uh, PlayStation, Nintendo, all those, no. But COD was different. COD was never and has never until last month been a first-party exclusive. And it will, well, technically the license itself will not be first-party exclusive. But now, Call of Duty is owned by Microsoft. And that is actually the prevailing and most important piece of info to contextualize this game. So, there's a lot of Call of Duties out there. Some are phenomenal. Some changed the video game industry and actually changed the entertainment industry. Certain Call of Duties rivaled box office film releases at the time. The technology and the in ingenuity and the skills put in place, the artistic craft of putting together Call of Duty is quite astounding looking back in its 20-year-long rich history. It has done a lot for people. And so I don't think we should ever disregard it as a franchise and its history just because it's hit a dry spell. Everything does because time moves on and the thing that we once loved and that was so popular at a time will, will not be as popular because it's known. It's just how it is. It falls into complacency and common, uh, common repetition. It's not a bad thing. It just is. I don't think people are as excited listening to a new Drake album as they were when he first was coming up. And that can go for almost any artist. Depending on their quality and depending on how long they take to drop an album. It's a little different if they take for fucking ever. That's kind of different. I think the same can go for anything. Video games and movies and stuff. Now the best of the best are still highly regarded because they're still improving their craft every day. I mean, you look at Martin Scorsese and he still draws people out. Look at Christopher Nolan in, in film. You look at Spielberg. In the past two years, all three of these giants in filmmaking have put out absolute critical acclaim and some box office acclaim classics. Which is astounding considering how much they have already to their name. So it can go for any art form or anything. And Call of Duty is actually more in touch with the MCU right now than anything else. It is repeating its previous history. It is using nostalgia bait like a motherfucker. It is polishing and improving in some ways. And it is also overall not changing its form. Or when it does change, it's being too weird. But I wouldn't even compare it to the MCU as it is right now. I'd actually compare what the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what they're going through right now is actually what COD was going through between 2014-15. Between 2015-ish to 2018-15. I'd say that 2014-ish, I mean, Black Ops 3 is an exception, but other than that, 2014 to 2018 was a very, 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 very rough time for Call of Duty. It was having an identity crisis unlike any other.
So why are people having a problem with it now? What's different? What's changed? What, what are people upset about? And what's good? What can we take from this that is good? Because I don't think this game, this new one, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, which is of the new Modern Warfare trilogy reboot that started in 2019, rebooting the classic, the classics from 2007, 2009, and 2011... So 2019, 2022, and 2023. And we're talking about 2023. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 2023 just came out two days ago. And we're going to talk about COD and the franchise as a whole. So anyway, the pros. What are the pros of this game? There's a lot, actually. But it depends on how we compare it. See, this is what gets difficult when we have a franchise that's going on this long. What are we benchmarking or comparing it against the previous? Anytime a new piece of work from that studio, from that artist, from that franchise line comes out, what do you benchmark it against? Obviously, you put it against your own um, personal things that you like, right? Okay, maybe you like it subjectively more than other people. That's fine. That's just part of being human. That's, that's the beauty of art, right? It all reaches and speaks to us in different ways, as well as entertainment, of course. Okay, that's fine. But putting that aside, objectively, how do we benchmark the quality and the improvements against its previous former self? And, and how fair can we do that, right? Because you can't fairly compare... I don't think you can. I don't think you can compare it in a fair way, comparing Modern Warfare 3's, the new one, its mechanics, its graphics, its lighting, its, its sound design against the one from 2011. Because video game is such a tech-heavy industry, the technical improvements are astounding. But there are still some technicalities or there's still some artistic choices and design and philosophy choices in place that are worse than what was done 10 years ago. And I think a lot of people are running into this. In multiple AAA, which is the bigger budget franchise games, And this happens in films, this happens in music, this happens in anything. An abundant, of res abundant amount of resources and acclaim does not facilitate the greatest critical uh, uh, piece. Meaning, just because something has a bajillion dollars and hundreds or thousands of people working on it does not actually mean it could be better than they were 10 years ago when they had a smaller team with a smaller budget. Now, sometimes it is. There are many times where once that game developer gets those resources, that actually puts them in a threshold where they can execute even better because they have the resources to do so. That's the general thought. But the problem is that we have emotion tied to everything. And when you're an artist, if you're given too many toys in the sandbox, not every toy is going to get love. Except when you're a little kid and you're playing in the sandbox alone, it doesn't fucking matter. But when you're an artist and you're developing something and putting it out to people, that's when it becomes a problem. That's where editing is so vital to everything an artist does. In film, it's cutting the film together and deciding what shots are important to the story and to the emotional pull. Right? In a song, it's what verse or chorus or even lines or words fit and gel or what kind of breaks the immersion or fucks up the pattern or, or makes the song a little too long or boring or how many tracks you put in an album to, to keep it 
pithy to the point and still do what you want to do artistically. And for video games, it's what features, what content, what, what things do you want in the game? And how do you balance that out so it doesn't either bog down the pacing or actually put a game at risk for being buggy and broken because there's too many variables at play? You know, you look at this and it's like, well, okay, why are, why are so many more games buggy nowadays? Yeah, I mean, they don't have the quality assurance test yet. Games are about 5,000 times more complicated than they used to be just 20 years ago. That's also part of it, right? Just so much more complex. So when something goes wrong, it's so much more intricate and it can chain react and bring so many other things down. And that's fair. I mean, you can only do so much about that. But then also, that doesn't excuse when people don't do anything about it. It just means sometimes it'll happen and, and it just it, it's the nature of the beast, right? But then, it's also because so many game devs decide to do open-world RPG on things that were not originally. And so it is a sandbox, and there's so many more variables at play. It's no longer a linear corridor shooter or even if it wasn't a corridor, it's no longer smaller chunks, you know? Everything goes open world at some point in a franchise or in a dev studio. I mean, look at From Software. Now, From Software had an easier transition to this. Not not that it was an easy development. I, I don't doubt it. I don't think it was. But Elden Ring was their first fully open world title. And it truly is an incredible open world, and they did such a good job. It's polished, it works, all these things. It's not microtransaction heavy, there's no battle pass, it's not bug ridden. It technically performed well. It looked pretty, and, it, and it's gotten improvements and polishes since. Difference is that they've been used to this format. They didn't change the entire way they develop games in other ways. They've just refined and polished it and then put it in a bigger space. And it's not like they haven't developed massive worlds before that have huge open sprawling maps with multiple objectives to tackle and in any way you want. So it's almost like they just interconnected the puzzle pieces that they've had before. And they only did it because it has to, it works with Elden Ring specifically. It wouldn't work with Dark Souls. It wouldn't work with Bloodborne or Sekiro in the same way. Not to say you couldn't make it work, but it's just the philosophy, the, the intent of the story, the atmosphere, the gameplay, the mechanics, the philosophy is what I call that to kind of su sum that all up. The general creative and story and atmosphere and gameplay mechanics that that are subjectively put upon the game by the devs, not just a technical, can we do it, but should we do it? And Elden Ring wasn't a, oh, we're going open world because everyone else is. And that's what, I, that's what scared me at first when I heard the game is open world. I'm like, no, 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 please don't get caught up in this. And then I played it, I'm like, oh, you didn't get caught up in this. You've been wanting to do this and you finally found how. That's the difference. But with COD and so many other games, it feels like, Halo especially, it feels like that they went open world before they figured out why they would want to personally as an artistic endeavor. They did it because everyone else is doing it, and that's okay, I guess, but what's the point if you're spreading things out, 
you're taking the value out and you're changing the pacing and you're also changing gameplay elements to accommodate that. So you're fucking up the formula that's been working for 20 years instead of layering it on, adding new things to the mix. It's like cooking. If you have a famous recipe that everyone loves in your household, probably wouldn't change it too much, but you might make some alterations, especially for certain people on certain diets, right? Or for certain tastes and style preferences over time, you might make alterations. So yeah, sometimes you might subtract some stuff, but it's not that you take out the entire core mechanics. It's more so you subtract a little bit of the amount of one thing and put something new in there to counterbalance it. But very, very rarely, or at least in my experience with my dad, who's a pretty good cook, he won't just fucking take out a core ingredient unless he has to for health reasons or for a dietary restriction for somebody who's coming over. But other than that, and that's different, that doesn't count. But in general, when he's changing his family recipe or whatever, he's not fucking just, yep, there goes the main ingredient, Oh, here, uh, and then there's nothing to counterbalance it. And even when he's subtracting an amount of something like, oh, he used to do a half a teaspoon of salt. Now he's, uh, now he doesn't do any salt. He lets people salt to their preference because it's healthier and safer for them. Okay, that's fine. But he might add a little more of that type of spice or that pepper or something, just a little more to counterbalance it. You know what I mean? So it's things like that. That is what needs to be done on longer spanning games. But then you have the problem where these artists and developers... By the way, as you can notice, I'm not talking about pros of COD right now. I'm giving context to the general problems with AAA gaming. Because this directly affects COD. And then I'll get into pros, cons, and specifics. Apologies. But I'm on a tangent and it's going good right now. So anyway, um, but now we have devs who... You know, I, I get it. I mean, when you're an artist, you want to create something new. You don't want to just rehash the old. Sometimes it is fun to go back and make sequels or improvements or, or see what was established and, and build off of that. It's extremely exciting because it doesn't mean you can't add something new and improve what was done. You know, and it's a framework. It's a groundwork. And sometimes it's out of respect to the starting point or to the history of something. And sometimes it's it's to reinvigorate something or whatever. They did a really good job with the Modern Warfare 2019, as I'll always say, because that's what started this podcast channel. I really enjoyed that game. It got me back into COD. I think they went too hard on removing features that we know and love without counterbalancing it properly for Modern Warfare 2. And I think that was all ultimately the nail in the coffin for Modern Warfare 2 2022 specifically. I'll talk about the problems of is this a DLC or not and should we be paying $70 for features we had before because that is an issue. And I'm not condoning or saying that that's okay. So where can an artist, if they're making a sequel, and have to follow the general core structures and philosophy that doesn't give them a lot of room to experiment or try new things, where can they experiment and try new things, but not shortcut and be lazy with those experimentations, but actually 
try and, and change stuff up. Spin-offs and or in video games specifically, different modes. It's a perfect place to experiment. And the counterbalance to that is you still have the core modes that have been established in the franchise history completely available as expected, unchanged, untouched. That way, if people aren't fucking with the new experimental mode, they're not stuck with it. And that is a problem when a franchise game... I'm not talking about a new indie game. I'm not talking about a game that's only had one previous... Uh, entry. I'm talking about a game that has ruled the market, that has been out for 20 years, that has 20 plus games, and that for the past 10 years has perfected their own formula to a T. And that has grown it. And it's not to say they haven't innovated. They've added zombies. They've added spec ops. They've improved and changed the way campaigns work. They've improved the general technical you know, frame rate and graphics and lighting. They've improved stats on weapons. They've added new weapons. They've removed old weapons. They've, they've learned to add post-content. They've added new maps, new modes, new features. Call of Duty has grown exponentially. If you compare this year's COD to the first COD, it's... <laughs> you can't even tell that they're... There's very, very few similarities to them. It's incredible, but you can still see the core structure, the foundation... So ultimately, they've done a pretty good job. But I think we were spoiled. I think in the past, um, in the golden age of gaming, I'd say, where the technical innovation was at a way where it was pretty realistic or, or immersive enough, and it worked and was more fluid than ever before, and where everyone was firing in all, on all cylinders, competing like never before, giving way to some of the greatest sequels and or franchises the gaming industry has ever seen globally. I mean, 2007 alone, I believe we had God of War, Halo 3, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, um, Bioshock, what else? I think it was GTA 3, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, the list goes on. Assassin's Creed, I mean, it was absolutely insane between 2007 and 2012, really, the amount of growth and the amount of hit franchises and the explosion in popularity in video gaming, unlike anything we've ever seen before. And we were still riding that out until 2014, but then once 2014 hit, it started to get stale. These franchises were five, six, seven years in, and people started scratching their heads like, well, now what? And the biggest thing that everyone hits is once they are successful with the formula and they make money and they're beloved and they're critically acclaimed, it's very, very, very difficult to just fuck around and do something new. Because then you jeopardize your chance at still paying the bills, breaking even, and funding your next project. You get stuck. And specifically with the way video games are marketed, unlike other things like music and film, music and film, this does happen very often. Don't get me wrong. It happens very, very, very often, but it can be thwarted depending on how you market yourself. I'm very conscientious about this with my own works. It's not perfect. I'm not great at it, but still. 
And But with video games, it's harder because it's a development studio. It's not one person or one main name. I mean, there are a few, don't get me wrong, right? There are definitely a few. I think Hideo Kojima is actually probably the most notable in this bunch. The respect and the the, the faith and the trust isn't in the individual developers and creators and artists. It's in the development studio, in the franchise name, or in the publishing name as a whole. So it's when you see it's Treyarch there. That's all you need to see. It's not when you see the two. And See, I don't even know the main names. I forget their names now, of course, but... The two main names who started Treyarch, who did COD Zombies, who did the original Black Ops 1 and 2 that we know and love today, and Black Ops 3, actually. And one of them departed, I believe, after Black Ops 4. And so things have been different since Black Ops 4. And Black Ops 4 felt different because it was such a tumultuous time in, in the video game industry, in Call of Duty, and specifically internally within Treyarch. Modern Warfare 3, the original Modern Warfare 3 in 2011, was actually the same problem. In fact, it was so tumultuous, it changed the way Call of Duties were made. And people don't realize that. Right? So it's one of those things where we don't credit the artist or the individual. And it's not that they deserve all the credit. It's a team. It's a collaborative effort. Everybody, from the coder to the graphic arts designer to the marketing uh, assistant to the to the everyone everyone who has a hand in it deserves the credit for the work they've done absolutely and I'm not saying they don't but all I'm saying is when we value the brand name the franchise or the development studio name over the individuals behind it especially the heads uh, it makes it harder to allow them or to make them feel like and to for us to see that they can go off and do other things and they have to be pretty known, well-known. And there's only a few figures in the video game development sphere that could do that. Kojima is one of them. So when he split from uh, Konami, it was a big thing. There's also one of those things where it's like, we know he'll be alright. Because we know Hideo Kojima. We know that this guy, this guy knows what he's doing. People follow him on social media. They like seeing what he talks about and says just because he's an interesting person. He's a creative person. So he made himself, the individual artist, the brand, instead of the brand making him. That way, if he left uh, a, a studio, a dev studio, since the video game market is so volatile, if you leave that studio... Your name, your reputation, and your work shouldn't stay tethered to that entirely and shouldn't die in the process of you exiting for your own well-being. That also prevents you from being stuck and having to do... That's why he's allowed to experiment and fuck around and make something like PT that unfortunately never came to, or Death Stranding, right? Or whatever. Whatever he cooks up, people are going to want to try it because the trust is in him, not just the development studio, not just in Sony PlayStation, not just in Kojima Productions, not just in whatever. You know what I mean? But the difference is with COD, the faith is in the development studio. 
So if Treyarch says they're doing a Zombies game, then then we, we trust it more. Okay, well, Treyarch's behind it. Obviously, that's got to be good. They're the ones that made the Black Ops Zombies. And while that is kind of true, obviously, they have the most experience with this, and a lot of them are still there from the original days. If you don't crack it open and see who's all inside Treyarch right now and what experience they do have, then you won't know. And to be honest, who the fuck's going to do that? No one. Why would we? That's a waste of our time. But all I'm saying is I think when they do something like that, that affords them the privilege to be more flexible. When they make themselves the brand, their artistry, and it establishes that trust. And then it also depends on how they operate within that given space. You look at Eminem, one of my favorite rappers, right? But you look at Eminem. Other than him acting in 8 Mile, but that is the only length I could see him diversifying, but he was playing essentially as himself, right? I mean, it's not perfectly accurate to his life. It's obviously more cleaned up and toned down, but still, it's the most... It is an autobiographical you know, in influenced, inspired off his upbringing, obviously. But that's it. Like, if Eminem put out a country album, we'd all be like, huh? Or if he put out a gospel or a pop album, we'd huh? It's how you establish yourself. Eminem is a rapper through and through. I don't think he'll ever do anything else other than rap, and I think that's perfectly okay. He's so damn good at it, and he loves to do it, and that's all that matters. So that's okay. There are other artists who like to experiment. Even if there's still primarily one thing, they like to dabble in others. You might see them be on something else. And it also means, depending on who you are, you can also, you, you're not stuck to it. You can always change, but you do have to make a, a leap of faith. You do have to take a risk. You look at John Carpenter, one of my favorite horror directors, right? He did Halloween. He did The Thing and so many other classic films. And now he's fucking around and he made, he's, he's also an art, a music artist, right? He made the Halloween theme, but like he's always been doing music in the background. He has his own band. He puts out albums. And people listen. I mean, he gets streams. I mean, he loves to do it. And then on top of that, he's now overseeing a video game. Literally got his name on it. It's not just like, oh, yeah, he's licensing his name. He's actually overseeing production. It looks rough. It needs more time in the oven, but it looks promising. Generic, outdated, but I don't care, it's Carpenter. And I appreciate him trying. So if this game comes to fruition and he makes it, and even if it's not as successful as he may be hoping, that would mean he is a world-renowned filmmaker that has made some of the most important films in modern history, in my opinion. He's also a music artist who, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't listen to a lot of his music, but I've listened to some, and it's pretty good. So he also puts out music. And now he's a video game developer, or director, or overseer, or producer, whatever. Whatever the title may be specifically. But he's done all those things in his career. And these are all things that are later in his career, post his massive film success. He didn't just stay to doing films and doing Halloween films or doing horror films his entire career. He's diversified. So even diversifying the genre, I mean, look at Spielberg. Steven Spielberg's one of the greatest filmmakers to ever live, and he's also the most successful in terms of critical acclaim, in terms of household recognition, in terms of money. But that isn't just because he's, oh, he's famous. He is really fucking good at what he does. He is considered so highly because he is so goddamn good at what he does. There's really no one like him. 
There are other great filmmakers. Hell, there are some filmmakers that might be argued better than him in certain areas, but none quite like him. When you can put out Jaws, E.T., Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, to Ready Player One, to BFG, to Hook, to his latest, The Fablemans, beautiful film, to Jurassic Park, and so many, so many, so many more that I can't even name, that's a wide breadth. He can cover... He can cover the Holocaust. He can cover the front lines of World War II. He can cover a uh, virtual uh, arcade world based on a, an incredible fucking book. He could cover dinosaurs coming to life. He can cover an alien trying to get home. And he can cover a shark trying to eat people. Every genre, every subgenre, every time and space, he can do it. He's done aliens. He's done westerns, sort of. Actually, he's never done like a full scale. He did westerns in his earlier years when he was getting started, but he's actually he's never done a like a full western. And, and he said in an interview recently that's the only genre he's never fully tackled, and he's always wanted to. And I would fucking kill to see him do a western. He's done a musical movies. He did West Side Story. He did a redo of West Side Story. Fucking phenomenal. The first movie, the original movie, is absolutely incredible, and somehow. A movie that's so good, you're just like, ah, uh, I wouldn't touch that. I wouldn't try to remake that with a 10-foot pole. And he did it as good. I, I don't know if it's better, but it's as good, and it's modernized for today. It makes more sense contextually today, even though it takes place in the 50s. It just makes more sense, and it's better in, in terms of technical prowess. So, yeah, he fucking did that <laughs> just a couple years ago. It's a beautiful film, just so beautiful. So anyway... um, Needless to say, artists can branch out, is my point. But Call of Duty is stuck in this cycle where they don't know where they can experiment. But they do experiment on certain modes. They sometimes experiment with campaign. They sometimes experiment with certain multiplayer modes. And they always experiment with that third mode. That may be zombies, that may be spec ups, it may be a variation of such. Maybe DMZ one year. So they still innovate and they experiment, but they don't do it enough. And I apologize for this initial segment before I even talk about COD being so damn long. But I think it's really important contextually because this is going to be more about the where COD is going as well because this is a benchmark. This is a tipping point, but not a massive one. This is still exponentially better than Vanguard. And actually, from initial thoughts, for those who just want to quickly hear it, semi-quickly, you know, 45 minutes in. I apologize for that, but you know how it is. This is a good game. It's a fun game. It's not the greatest Call of Duty ever. It's not going to change your hearts if you hate Call of Duty, but if you like Call of Duty, you enjoy it, or you kind of like Modern Warfare 2, but you wish it was more, this is that more. This shouldn't have been a $70 full game. This should have been a $20 to $30 expansion. I do completely concur with that thought. This didn't need the campaign, but I do appreciate the zombies. Surprisingly, and I want to talk about that more in the, in the upcoming segment. I do appreciate what they've fixed or added back and what they've polished up. But I'm more skeptical than ever because I'm understanding now the pattern and the trend that Call of Duty is taking going forward. And with Microsoft acquiring them just last month... By the way, this, this game, the way it was made has no input or say from Microsoft. The next COD might. But just so you guys know, I mean, CODs have two to three year dev cycles, usually. And uh, so they start those 
pre-production and dev cycle processes way before. So I would venture to say even the next Black Ops won't have as much influence. It'll have more influence because it'll still be a year away if they keep to that schedule. So it'll still be a year and a half of Microsoft fully owning the company. So it will have way more say, but I don't think it will be until 2025 till we see the full ramifications of a Microsoft-owned Call of Duty franchise. But with all that out of the way, I'll call this segment Artist uh, Flexibility, I guess. And then now let's get more into I just wanted to set that up contextually. Let's get into the pros of Call of Duty. Here we go. Okay, apologies for that tangent. Here we go. The pros of the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Um, there are quite a few. One, as I said in the beginning, how do you benchmark a game's success? And I guess I never really answered that. I don't know. I think it just depends on who you are and what the franchise is. But I think for this instance, since there are two points that we can benchmark that keep it more fair, I think we can benchmark this newer 2023 Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 against the original older one in 2011. We could benchmark a lot of that because it's the same title name and, and, and they know willingly that people are going to do that. Right. And then I think most accurately in terms of technical spec spectacle and features and and things of the modern gaming era we just benchmark it to last year's call of duty and even the start of this reboot franchise 2019 which is still relatively new in comparison modern warfare 2019 so that's so i'm primarily benchmarking it off of last year's call of duty modern warfare 2 off of the og modern warfare 3 from 2011 and a little bit off of cod modern warfare 2019 so those are my three points of inflection that I'm benchmarking this game off of. Of course, as well as my subjective opinion. Now, I'm not excusing the poor conduct and the, the misuse of the consumer and all that. I'm uh, vehemently against that, and I'll talk more about that in the cons segment. But for now, I do want to focus on the pros, and there are some. And there are a good amount of them, I think. I am doing this off the top. Here we go. First and foremost, let's just talk about... Okay, well, for, first, before I get in it, this is a con, but I just want to get this out of the way. The campaign sucks. It's okay at parts. Uh, it actually is a very good opening, in my opinion. Very, very strong opening. Like, the first hour is actually really fun. And then after that, it, like, pitters out to the point where I, I, I don't even want to play it. So, um, I will say this. I do not think the campaign was needed. I, honest to God, don't think it was needed. Um, I think those time, that time and resources that was crunched to do that should have been put into COD Zombies, Modern Warfare Zombies, to polish and punch that up. Because as fun as that is, it would be cool to have even some more features to that. Though I'm just scratching the surface of that game, and I actually really am enjoying that cycle so far, so far. Only a few hours into that, I've only played three or four matches, but I am actually kind of liking it. But I'll tell you why contextually in a minute. So, anyway, going back to it. So, uh, campaign aside, let's talk multiplayer. That's what we're all here for, right? Multiplayer is pretty solid. There are a shit ton of games. First off, this is the first Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. I've talked about this before. This is the first, like, sub-franchise Call of Duty sequel to come a directly a year after the prior. 
Usually it's like one to two to three years. You know, Modern Warfare 2019, then 2022 was Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. So, like, generally thinking, you know, you'd think that, like, 2025 would be Modern Warfare 3. Full dev cycle time. But no, we get it the following year. Why? I'll tell you more about that in the cons, but basically this was originally, and I, I am, it's not officially confirmed, but I am so, so strongly believing in this theory. It was originally uh, just going to be a year two DLC. And when you play the game, when you look at it, it actually feels very, very realistic. And then when you consider that that was the original goal and that in nine months of development time, which is hilarious, I want to point out something. This is really important for the 12 people listening. My last episode I recorded a couple days ago. Three or four days ago, I'd say, when I started recording it and talking about the subject. I, I said, I approximated the development time for Modern Warfare 3. I said, well, based on what they said here and, what they, and how dev cycles work, and I said they probably started pre-production for this specific... The, I mean, the DLC was already being developed, but then they probably switched gears internally and started realizing with the looming threat of, Activ uh, of the Activision acquisition from Microsoft that this will be a full title entry to make one last grandstand, ideally before. So I think they started internally configuring things and prepping for a smoother switch to making this a full-fledged game in March of this year, which is not a lot of time. I mean, they started considering it immediately after, right? And probably were in pre-production. But I think they started officially really looking into things in February, March. Got everything prepared in a way where it could go either way. It could be an expansion or it could be the start of a full dev cycle. They just need to, a full game. They just need to crunch a lot. And then it wasn't until... And of course, Activision gets early reports before the consumer, probably two to three months in advance, so it probably wasn't until April where they learned that the Microsoft Activision uh, acquisition will inevitably be delayed in certain ways, possibly to fall or winter, not till they're expected June. So instead of making it... Because if they were going to get acquired in June, they would have stuck with this as an expansion, I guarantee you. They're talking about making COD a two-year dev cycle. Microsoft was backing that plan. And so that's what it seemed like they were doing. And then they pulled the Uno reverse card on everyone and said, actually, ah, fuck it, we're going to do one more annual. Or, and that's because they had one more time in the driver's seat before Daddy Microsoft dick-slapped them to the shotgun or to the back seat and took the wheel. Right? So they said, fuck it, full throttle. That's why this game, when people looked at the source code and all these things, and when you play the game, that's why this game feels like an expansion. Because originally it was going to be a year two expansion for probably free or for 20, 30 bucks, which would have been completely fair. Because majority of the maps that we get in this game were promised for year two expansion at one point were considered to be post-content launch. That was the rumor for a long time. I even talked about it like, oh my God, how great would it be if next year at this time is 2022. So I'm like, how great would it be if we don't get a COD in 2023? We just get a, an expansion. I'll pay 20, 30 bucks happily. 
if it was 16 maps, maybe some new modes, uh, overhaul, features, mechanics, new guns. Would have made a lot more sense. And then it would have been, maybe we got that campaign, but maybe we only got the first two hour, the first hour where you break, like kind of like an epilogue, epilogue. <laughs> like an end credit scene, like in a Marvel movie. You get that also when you get the, $30 expansion, that was that would be completely manageable. It was a hell of an opening mission. And then that sets the stage for Makarov in the full release of Modern Warfare 3 in a couple years, making it World War 3. Making it more in tune with the original Modern Warfare 3. Everything pointing towards that makes 110% more sense when you look at it that way than how it is right now. Then again, when we're playing this game, it is actually better than last year's that had a full dev cycle. So now I'm really fucking confused. Other than the campaign. But I didn't even like the campaign that much last year. It was okay. It was better. I guess it was better than this one. But I, I, I was, it just didn't grab me story-wise. This one grabs me story-wise because it's a more interesting antagonist and it's more established. But it just doesn't execute anything well in terms of anything else. So it falls short. But other than that... Multiplayer-wise, and with the zombies extra money, this is better. So then it goes to argue, well, maybe it's worth the $70. So let's talk about it. Why is it better than Modern Warfare 2, than last year's iteration at least? Uh, I don't know if it was better than the original Modern Warfare 3, only because the original Modern Warfare 3 was the first COD I got on release day with the excitement. So it was, I was biased. I was 11, too. My expectations were low. Campaign was phenomenal then. Multiplayer was solid. I was learning the ropes. I was getting my ass whooped, but I loved it. And the Spec Ops mode, the survival mode, perfection. I wish we got that again, but I do like where they're going with the zombies for the experimental side of zombies for this iteration. So I'm not going to really compare it too much to that game because it's so hard. COD was an entirely different beast back then. I mean, it was over 10 years ago. It's really hard to benchmark it against that. But I will say a couple things in the original Modern Warfare 3 development that helps contextualize this even more. And I think can actually help highlight some of the pros. One, that game was also a very tumultuous cycle. And at the time, even though that game is one of the best-selling CODs and it was highly regarded, it was all marketing and it was because it was ending an infamous trilogy at this point. But the real reason was going on, I mean, multiple head development people split. This game, they split mid-production. And Sledgehammer stepped in and finished it. They were a supporting studio at the time. This is when Sledgehammer came through and did their first full game. And it's like, well, damn. The people who split off went and made one of the best dev studios of modern times, in my opinion, Respawn Entertainment. Home to Titanfall 1 and 2. God bless it. Hope we get a Titanfall 3. Star Wars Jedi Survivor and Fallen Order or Fallen Order Survivor, whatever, and Apex Legends. Of course, they were acquired by EA, unfortunately, but the studio itself, the dev studio, Respawn Entertainment, is still kicking, and actually, I don't think they've really missed. I know Survivor's gotten mediocre results because it's like, it's, it's just kind of the same, it's a refinement. It's like, it's, but the first one is so good, what's wrong with kind of the same with some new improvements and refinements? I don't think that's a problem for a sequel. Just depends on how long the sequel is. And that's what Modern Warfare 3 was in COD. Modern Warfare 3 was just a refinement with some new additions and improvements from Modern Warfare 2. So I think a lot of people were like, this shit ain't different. We could just be playing Modern Warfare 2. And this is what started that kind of cycle of, okay, it's only been a couple years, but like, 
Not much has changed. Now, under the hood, it did, you know, better frame rate, better graphics, some better lighting in some instances. Uh, of course, some new guns, some new kill streaks, uh, new perks, those kinds of things. A few new game modes, most notably. Um, kill Confirmed uh, started in MW3. Uh, you know, a few things like that. Spec Ops mode was cool. The campaign was actually pretty dope. But other than that, it was like, it was a very light addition. Whereas the difference from Modern Warfare to Modern Warfare 2 was very grand. The difference from Black Ops 1 to Black Ops 2 was ex exponential. Stylistically, and especially in terms of zombies, from Black Ops 2 to Black Ops 3 was also exponential, but it wasn't as much of an exponential and important and critically acclaimed jump as the first two. But as anybody should know, a trilogy is difficult to do, and landing the third trilogy and making it as impactful, if you make a good sequel... First of all, making a good sequel is one of the hardest things to do, but if you make a good sequel, it's usually better than anything. You look at that in films, you look at that in music. When you make a good sequel, it's exponentially special. I would say not better, but it's very special. Then making a third one cannot... It is very rarely, if ever... I don't think it's ever a third one has... If a second one was really good and critically acclaimed, I don't think a third one has ever surpassed that. It's at very least done better than the first, but not quite as good as the second. Kind of an in-between step. And I think Black Ops 3 fell in that. I think Modern Warfare 3 fell in that. I think... Star Wars Return of the Jedi fell in that. I think The Godfather Part 3 fell in that. I think a lot of third games and movies and even albums, if those exist, very rarely, like King's Disease 3, it's being nominated for a Grammy. It was good. I think King's Disease 2 was way fucking better than King's Disease 1, even though King's Disease 1 won Nas's first Grammy, almost as a, like, here you go, we're sorry we never gave you this because of Illmatic. King's Disease 3 is good, but King's Disease three or 2 is way better. And also Magic, that whole EP, I actually really like the first one. Magic 2 is really solid, and then like four months later he released Magic 3. Way too soon. But I love Nas, and it's just cool that he's putting out music, and, I, and I'm, I'm there. it's still really good stuff. I mean, his third ones are still really good. They're just not as good as the seconds. So it, it exists in a lot of formats. So it's really hard to stick the landing on the third one. So the third one of the original Modern Warfare 3 played it safe. It was also through Development House. It was a miracle that that game even was functional by the time it came out. And so I think people look back on it with fond memories, but at the time, a lot of people were complaining about the game the same way they're complaining about this one this year, and it's fucking ludicrous. I remember when I first got Modern Warfare 3, mind you, my first COD game on, on release day with everyone, I got Black Ops, but I got Black Ops six months after it came out, so the hype died down a little bit. Still a phenomenal game, and I loved it. It's my first COD. But, um... Modern Warfare 3, all the hype was there, but I remember. I was playing with my friends. They were like, yeah, Modern Warfare 2 is better. I'm like, well, fuck, I, never got, I was never allowed to play that. Should I go back and play that? They're like, no, 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 we're on this one now. But they're like, this is just doing what Modern Warfare 2 did. Just a little more polished. I'm like, so what's wrong with that? If you all love Modern Warfare 2, what's wrong with this one? It didn't take away much, did it? No, no, it was just Modern Warfare 2 is better. Maybe because of maps, maybe because of certain modes, maybe because of the nostalgia or how special it was. But I think it's also the drastic jump in quality difference. 
right? Modern Warfare was a classic, and it was hailed as one. So Modern Warfare Two would have had a had a, uh, you know high bar to to pass, and it passed it with flying colors. And so that jump was exponential. Modern Warfare Three was still good, but it was an improvement. It was so similar, it wasn't as much of a jump, right? If from Modern Warfare One to Modern Warfare Two was a ten ten pace leap. And then Modern Warfare 3 to Modern Warfare 2 is a five-paced leap, even though technically it's 15 paces ahead of the first Modern Warfare, it still doesn't feel as significant because benchmarking against its, its previous successor, it's half the amount of distance, if that makes sense. But now we go to the modern trilogy, the new trilogy from 2019 to 2023 to now, the, of the new Modern Warfare 3 reboot, and it's fucking ass backwards it's all over the place just considering these three in my personal opinion i think modern warfare 2019 changed everything in the best ways possible other than warzone but even then warzone wasn't that big of a deal i mean it's a big deal but it wasn't like that that significant to how it's changing the philosophy of cod it was just a big deal. They were hopping on the fad. And it was good. It worked and it was fun. It was actually my favorite Battle Royale mode at the time. And especially during lockdown to play with my friends. It was a good time. I think a lot of people enjoyed what it had to offer. It had the polish and prestige of Call of Duty shooting mechanics mixed with the open world Battle Royale. It was a fun time. But regardless of that, that came out like four months after the initial launch of Modern Warfare. So, But Modern Warfare had an incredible campaign. A massive overhaul in graphics and lighting. Folks, go and watch Black Ops 4 from 2018. And then go and watch... Or 2017, my bad. And then go and watch Modern Warfare 2019 graphics gameplay. And look at the seismic fucking jump. Now, obviously, Treyarch and Infinity Ward actually uses different engines. But still, nonetheless, it's a massive improvement. Still, to this day, Modern Warfare is one of the better-looking first-person shooters on the market. In terms of graphics, lighting, and generally performance. So that's kind of an interesting feat in of itself. So it massively overhauled everything. It just like was like, holy fuck, this is so hyper-realistic. And it was more tactical and slower, but still COD. And it had all these realistic weapons and punch and kick and less gimmicks and arcadey and twitchy shooting and shit. Still had all that, but it wasn't as bad. I'm like, okay, I, it, it hooked me. I was in, the marketing really got me, and I and I played the campaign, I fucking loved it, and I played that multiplayer like a motherfucker, it got me good at Call of Duty again for the first time, and I actually cared about Call of Duty for the first time, that's what started this podcast channel, it was high marks in my opinion, it had a shit ton of modes, almost every map was pretty dope, it had some new modes that have never been seen before in the multiplayer suite, that were fun and well balanced and well paced, it wasn't perfect, Right, that fucking double barrel shotgun and the uh, traditional M4 standard was so OP, you could dome people from anywhere. But they balanced it out. The gunsmith was intricate and important and really fun to really tinker with and build your own modded guns and really switch up your gameplay style. The movement, the pacing, the shooting was all good. You know, some people didn't like it, but I preferred it to be more grounded and tactical-ish. It's still a COD. It's not tactical. I mean, Rainbow Six is light tactical and, you know, 
this isn't a, on a spectrum of tactical games. This is no sim. This is no Arma or Squad or even arcade-ish sim like Hell Let Loose. Though some people punch me for saying that, though that's the truth. Or Insurgency Sandstorm, which is even closer to the arcade And then to Rainbow Six, which is right on the line. Even though I love Rainbow Six, it's one of my all-time favorite games. But in the grand scheme of Call of Duty, this was the most tactical approach COD has ever had. While still maintaining being COD. And I really appreciated that. Tonally, thematically, this was a more serious Call of Duty. And for the first time, I think this game understood the significance of war. It finally felt like, holy shit. I mean, Black Ops did a great job at that with the Cold War. But it was also more of a spy thriller at that. But this understood the devastation of modern warfare. It taught you and made you do things, and it made you realize how brutal these conflicts really can be in a way that I don't think many games have done since. Not to say that there aren't incredible cinematic moments in the original trilogy. There absolutely are. But this one, for me at least, brought it home, and the graphic improvement, the mocap, and the general acting also really helped with that. This didn't feel like a Michael Bay movie. For the first time ever, this felt like a... Fuck, I forget his name. Peter something. He did Lone Survivor. If you haven't seen Lone Survivor with Mark Wahlberg, check it out. It's a phenomenal military movie from 2014. You know, this felt more like the American Sniper, you know, Clint Eastwood's uh, incredible film, American Sniper, or uh, Lone uh, Survivor. This felt more like that, whereas other video game CODs felt like Act of Valor or any of the military scenes in Transformers from Michael Bay. This had a tone of seriousness, but was still able to be played and, and fun and casual, especially in the multiplayer suite. And they experimented. They had modes. They had playlists. I know, I'm still not talking about the new game. I apologize. They had modes. They had playlists. They had things, but they never took away from other things. And then they had Warzone, and then they had all these things, right? And Spec Ops was okay. It wasn't great. It was a good, full, complete package, minus Spec Ops. And, yeah, it was just, it was good. Then some years pass, we get Cold War, solid. Looking back on it, I actually miss it. I love the Cold War zombies, honestly. It's not the best. I mean, Black Ops 3 zombies is probably... Well, no, let me rephrase that. Black Ops 2 zombies is the goaded one. Then Black Ops 3 zombies, if you get the Chronicle pack with the OG maps. I know some people are going to hate me. Oh, but the classable. Shut up. Black Ops 2 zombies forever. Um, and then... Um, I, I think in terms of zombies, uh, my personal favorites is Black Ops, if OG, not talking like Chronicles or Remasters or anything that came from Black Ops 3, we're talking just basic default OG, Black Ops 2, Black Ops 1, Black Ops 3. And then Cold War. But honestly, I've played more Black Ops 3, so I'll, actually Black Ops 3 might be number 2 now. Um, Black Ops 3, with the remastered classic maps as well, with the, all the map packs and zombies, and Black Ops 3 is the definitive COD Zombies experience, and any COD Zombies fan knows that. It is actually my most played and favorite, but Black Ops 2 still takes the cake, number one for me. Nostalgia, personal reasons, all those things. But Black Ops 3 is a close second, I guess I would say. Black Ops 1 is a classic, it's OG. I know some people are, what about World at War? Nah. It's great. I mean, it started everything, but no. I mean, I could play those remastered maps anywhere. So, anyway. Um, 
But Cold War is up there. I really liked what they did. They innovated on it. They had some great maps. They added some new special enemies, the the, the, the physics of decaying zombies, and some of the features. I liked it a lot. I liked that you got new field upgrades, and you could upgrade your shit, and it was a little easier, but that made it more enjoyable because I played it solo, too, and I appreciated that. So... That came out, then Vanguard, we're not even going to talk about Vanguard, Vanguard was a hot pile of dog shit. And now, we, then we had Modern Warfare 2 come out. Following 2019, we had Modern Warfare 2 last year, I've talked about it a lot. That game was solid. I enjoyed it, and at the time, especially in beta, I really enjoyed it. And I played it, and maybe we grinded it out too much. But it did a lot of things wrong. A lot of things the sequel shouldn't do, it just up and did. It took away things that are core and integral to COD. The minimap, it fucked with the movement. The visual clutter in that game was astounding. I didn't realize how bad it was until looking back on it in hindsight, but the recoil, the kicking up dust, the smoke, the muzzle flashes, and the lingering effects of smokes, explosions, and particles were insane. You could not see what you were shooting 90% of the time, and when you're playing a shooting game where you're shooting 90% of the time, it makes it a real bitch to play. The hacking was more rampant than ever, and because there was no minimap, because the audio design was not accurately portraying where people were, we had a huge fucking problem. And also, there were almost all the maps were original. Some good, some okay, most of them dog shit. So the problem we ran into is, because people don't know the maps, because we have no mini-map unless the UAVs popped up, but that only lasts for like three seconds, and because the hearing where people are isn't clear, most people back their ass into a corner. And I don't blame them, because... If you ran, you were punished. The game flipped the script. Now, get if you want to be more tactical, but Modern Warfare 2019 did that in a way where you can be a little slower, a little more thoughtful turning a corner, but you could still sprint and haul ass when you want to without too many ramifications, other than, obviously, if you go into a choke point or if you go in, out in the fucking open, yeah, obviously, you might get smoked. But in general you were more safe. And it had a few maps that were classic maps that came back in Modern Warfare 2019, like Rust and Crash and a couple others. So you still had a few of familiarity in the cycle so you can get acclimated to the pacing of the game. I don't think there were... I mean, I think they added Rust. I don't know. I don't even remember. But in Modern Warfare 2, it really was low on the classic maps. And I think when you're doing a Modern Warfare... You can have some of the classic maps. It's expected. If you have Modern Warfare 2, why not have Afghan? Why not have Terminal? Why not have all these places? What's wrong with that? Really? I don't get it. So they announced, lightly, that in, the se in their year 2, they were going to add uh, 16 classic maps. Okay, there we go. Now we're getting some. Good. And some old returning favorite guns as well. Okay, that's cool. Why we didn't get that at the start for a Modern Warfare 2 game, I'll never know. And then we fast forward. And that game was still fun. It had its moments and it had some good features. And DMZ was a, was a standout hit. And it was actually kind of a nice change and a subversion of the Warzone formula. And so there's some good things about it, but it wasn't perfect. It, was, it fell short. It wasn't as good as MW19. It wasn't as bad as... Vanguard, it was still fun, it still had good mechanics, it wasn't horrible, but it really just missed the mark in a lot of areas, and it, and it took back steps, it also put kill streaks on a timer, 
or perks, I mean, not kill streaks. It was just weird. It had some good innovations with its, you know, with some of its movement, and it had some solid maps actually. I, I enjoyed a good amount of those maps, and I and I enjoyed some of the the guns, and and I liked what they did. But the attachments, having to unlock this gun and that, they made Gunsmith overly complicated. The UI got fucked over in the process. There's a lot of problems. No map voting, and most maps we got in rotation, people didn't like anyway. To the point where our entire lobbies would back out. It was like all of it was there from a gameplay mechanic, and, and I think a lot of people had the same thing. And then also in its opening two weeks, it didn't play well. It had performance issues, lagging, networking connection, the social tab didn't work for the first two days. Like, it was a big problem. Even then, once I ironed everything out, it was still like, okay, I mean, now it's working, and that's good, but like, uh, how fun can this really be? It's just a sweat fest. The skill-based matchmaking was completely imbalanced and broken. It was not even dialed in. There's always been skill-based matchmaking, and I'm not for it, but I'm just saying it's okay in most instances. It's too extreme in Call of Duty. It's used to manipulate engagement, not used to balance out the game. So, a lot of problems. Things that didn't exist in Modern Warfare 2019 that were added in for no reason whatsoever. It doesn't make a lick of fucking sense. So it was going to be a year two expansion, I assume, turned into the full-fledged Modern Warfare 3 release, and here we are. What are the pros? The pros are they retroactively fixed everything that was wrong with MW2. First of all, the game works. It's more stable and performance-heavy. There hasn't been a single crash. I got more crashes on Modern Warfare 2 last year than any other game in COD history. More than Vanguard, more than even Cold War, and Cold War had a hell of a development process and was pretty buggy at launch. More than any of those. Modern Warfare 2 did not work when it came out. It was bad. It was unplayable for two weeks. I mean, it's I mean, it playable, but it's barely. This, ma this game ha is playable so far. I mean, I've only played for two days, but it hasn't had any, no crashes, no, no things. I had some network issues, but I think that was on my side, my apartment. Um, bugs are there, but they're minimal. And... And also with MW2, a lot of features didn't come at launch. Like, hardcore didn't exist, and it was called Tier 1 once it came out. It wasn't really hardcore. It was, like, kind of realism mode, which I loved in Modern Warfare 2019. Didn't love in MW2. The DMZ mode that was promised didn't even come out at launch. It came out, like, a month later. So, like, a lot of features were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah they'll come out later. But we can't quite get them on the deadline that we uh, set up. It's like, what? Then don't tell us it's coming out in late October. Push it to mid-November. Then they miss their general cycle that they're aiming for. Anyway, this time around, Modern Warfare 3 came out with everything you'd need. I'm sorry, this 30-minute episode, once again, I haven't even talked about Modern Warfare 3. I guess this episode should have just been me talking about the franchise, but it all connects. Anyway, um, it came out with 16 OG maps, 6 new maps that are original. That's a fuck ton of maps. That's pretty dope. You know, we got Afghan, we got Terminal, we got Skid Row, we got uh, uh, Rust. I don't know if we have Crash. If we do, I haven't experienced it. All kinds of maps. Maps are good. Much, much, much better. Because they're established. Uh, oh, we have High Rise. I mean, some of these maps are one-to-one -one recreations, remasters. They're just better looking versions of them. They didn't change it. Well, it seems like they haven't changed a fucking thing. Everything flows and fits exactly how it did in Modern Warfare 2. 
and in Modern Warfare 3. Not many that I recall, though my memory is fuzzy. Modern Warfare 3 specific maps, which is unfortunate. You'd think this is Modern Warfare 3. It's like they're lagging, because this game was meant to be an expansion of Modern Warfare 2, so it makes a lot more sense when you look at it that way. When you look at the default guns in the multiplayer suite that you get for this new game, that first of all, this is also the first game where it actually transitions and carries over your progress from the previous. Do you know why? Because this was supposed to be an expansion. Makes a lot more sense now. Every gun you've had in Modern Warfare 2. Not Modern Warfare 2019, but anything from Modern Warfare 2. Why is that? Why not Modern Warfare 2019 while we're at it? It's all connected to your same account. Because this was supposed to be an expansion of Modern Warfare 2. Becomes more and more evident the more you play it. But all your guns and attachments and skins that you've unlocked in multiplayer from Modern Warfare 2 carries over. That's actually kind of dope. So if you want to start the game with your Modern Warfare 2 kit, you can. It doesn't save your custom modifications, unfortunately, so you got to remember how to build out the gun you had specifically. But other than that, you can. But here's something I've learned. Don't do that. One, what's the point? Unless there's some guns you're still trying to grind out in Modern Warfare 2, but honestly, this is a new game. It does have some new guns. It has like four to six in each category. Not a lot, but a healthy amount. Also, what I've learned is all the guns, the base guns in Modern Warfare 3, the new ones that you would be grinding, are way better. They're way more powerful than even your most kitted out Modern Warfare 2 gun, and I think that's intentional. It's to incentivize you playing with the new guns. So you could play with the old ones, and they still kill, they're still fine. But I, I'm telling you, the starting assault rifle in this gun, in this game, is better than any of my other assault rifles in Modern Warfare 2, in my, in my armory that I've played with. For this game, obviously if I go back to Modern Warfare 2, it's not retroactive, so it doesn't matter. But my point is, use the base Modern Warfare 3 guns. First of all, they're more fun to grind and unlock new attachments for them, and then also, they are better. Objectively, I think they are statistically better than anything else. So, stick with them. There's only a few, but that's all you really need. They brought back perks. They have these new gear things that are kind of cool. It's essentially like added special stuff. Um, I mean, it's the same. It's it's the same as like a passive like field upgrades. I, I don't even know what to call it. It's perks, I guess. It's just not a pick your perk system. It's it is. It's just it's just literally a different aesthetic, but it's the same thing. It's just more pragmatic instead of like instead of just. Having a perk called Silent Step, it's now, oh, you put on boots, combat boots, that are Silent Step. But it's not like RPG gear, it's just it's just different presentation. It's the same thing. So perks are back, they're not on a delayed timer. When you have them, you have them from the start, that's really fun. Movement is solid. Movement is really fluid, is solid, the gunplay is great. All that visual noise that happened in the MW2, and I talked about this in the beta for this, is gone. When you aim and you shoot, you see your shot, and it's beautiful. It's so clean, it's so simple, and it's actually pretty fun. Um, so movement is good. Yeah, I mean, the pros are there. We have better guns. We have, oh, all the OG maps. Also, they added map voting, so you vote between two maps. So, at a time per match. It launched with hardcore, like... 
genuinely the actual hardcore. You got a bunch of modes. You got your classic core modes, you know, your team death matches, your control, your hard point, your domination, all those. And then you got your other new special modes. The Cutthroat's kind of a new one. Um, and a couple others. So those are all well and good. Fun to experiment with. They brought back Ground War. They brought back Invasion. That's dope for those who like that. There's a lot of a lot of options here. $70 is a lot of money, though. Campaign ain't worth it. Multiplayer, I would say, if you're a big COD fan or if you're disappointed with MW2 and you want to play COD for the next year, I would say it's worth it for that. There's a good amount of content. There's good, some good camos. I wouldn't say they're the best camos ever. They're not as good as the Black Ops 2 days or the original Modern Warfare days, but there's some decent ones to grind out. New attachments, new guns, some new um, things to kind of experiment that are that are definitely fun. Uh, the gameplay is much better, though. Like, it's actually a, a much more enjoyable experience to play minute to minute. I actually thoroughly enjoy playing this game, and I'm good at it, so that also helps. When I'm not having latency issues, I'm having a blast. Multiplayer has fucking people up. Skill-based matchmaking is definitely there. You'll kill, you'll wreck the floor with people who you think must be bots for uh, two matches, and then you'll get absolutely fucking crushed the next game, so it still exists, but it's not as per and annoying as last year's so it's a little more toned in I would say and then the biggest pro surprisingly something I thought I was going to be greatly disappointed in and probably the mode I'm just going to continue to play because it pr provides the most challenge and originality surprisingly is the zombies and I want to talk about that in a whole nother segment so let's get to it Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 3, Zombies. Let's talk about it, because it's actually the standout mode, in my opinion. Like, with what Cold War was, as fun as the multiplayer was, and as fun as all these things, the campaign was okay. Uh, the the Zombies is, is surprisingly, and funny enough, my buddy sees who I play with, is about to Twitch stream COD Zombies as we speak. So, funny timing. And I'll probably join them in a minute. But, here's the thing. Um, Cold War's COD Zombies really stood out to me. It was just fun. It was better than multiplayer and the campaign, in my personal uh, opinion. I just had more fun with it. I've always been a Zombies fan, but that one was really fun. Uh, just Multiplayer was good, it was fun, but it was just I just had more fun in COD Zombies. And this might be the case with this. And I'll tell you, folks, I didn't think that was going to be the case at all. Um, when I heard it was open world, it was like Outbreak, and then I saw it was like DMZ, I was like, oh, fucking A. And I braced myself for the worst. Now, a couple disclaimers here. It is developed by Treyarch, which is cool. But beyond that... Um, it's obviously an experimental mode. And as I said in the beginning, when artists are allowed to experiment, sometimes it's great, sometimes it doesn't work, but they should have safe spots where they feel they can experiment. They can't do exactly like this in Treyarch's next COD, in the next Black Ops. They might, but it would have to also be on top of a traditional rounds-based zombies, which is still, and let me be very, very, very clear here, the best way. It is the best zombies always to have a traditional round base with Easter eggs and a handful of maps and modes and, and, you know, have some new features in there if you want. And then on the side to have this open world DMZ version or to have the outbreak version is perfectly fine as well. You get some variety with your zombies. 
But like what Blackout did for Battle Royale for COD and Black Ops 4, and then what Warzone polished and perfected is the same as what Outbreak did for COD Zombies Open World to what now World uh, Zombies uh, Modern Warfare 3 has done. I wouldn't say it's the most perfect, but it's pretty fucking good. It's like, it's so good. I, I honestly, after playing it last night, I'm like, I don't actually see myself playing the multiplayer mode that much. I still will, don't get me wrong, because I actually love the classic maps and I'm having a blast in multiplayer, but it's going to be difficult. And I'll say this once again, I did not expect this. I was preparing to be kind of disappointed. And to be like, well, it's just a side mode, it's an experimental mode, come next year we'll get the full Treyarch mode, the full Zombies mode. And that is still, hopefully, and ideally the case, because I still don't definitely want to see the round-based Zombies, I never want that to leave. But I'm perfectly okay with having new and experimental ways of tackling Zombies for those who are interested. And I think, in all intents and purposes, this is kind of fun. Now... There's some issues with it. There's some balancing problems to it. And there's some things that I wish were a little different. But I, so far, I'm appreciating what's there. It's kind of interesting in the world of open world, you know, in the land of open worlds and the, and the times of, like, battle royales of the past five, six years, we actually haven't seen a battle royale stylized version of zombies until this year. From COD. Um... It's fascinating to see that. We saw a little glimmer of that in the blackout when you can go to that certain area that had the zombies, and that was cool, and people loved to do that, but it was just like, huh, why not? Why not do that? Well, because Battle Royale was intended to be PvP, and it wasn't until DMZ and all these other things where it introduced the PvE element more so. Last year, DMZ was actually kind of fun. It was their take on the Tarkov extraction mode, and I think a lot of industries are betting on that. Battlefield did it, COD did it, a couple other franchises did it. They were really betting on this whole extraction to be the next subgenre in the Battle Royale environment. And I think it was just a little too complicated and a little too much to deal with for a mainstream casual shooter. Nonetheless, I think people still had fun with it, and I think it was still a good option as a side mode. And that's the thing. I think people need to stop getting their panties up in a bunch when a game has a side mode and it's not its primary focus. Context is key. It's why I lay out so much context when I go into these things. So, for example, this isn't the greatest zombies ever made. Right? But this is fun. It's enjoyable. This isn't your traditional round-based zombies. So don't go in expecting it is. It's okay that it's not. In fact, if it was round-based, it wouldn't work in the open-world environment. So the fact that they're doing this is okay. What does it suggest in the future is where I get a little worried. Hopefully, they don't, like, say, well, fuck the round base. I don't think they could. I think Drake knows better. But they experimented with Outbreak. And the problem that Outbreak ran into is, as fun as it was on paper and as cool as it was for the first, I don't know, three to five hours of doing it, it got stale quick. Same objectives, very repeating, you know, repeatable. Uh, can only have so many people. And it was barren. The open world design wasn't as good. The looting mechanics weren't as good. It wasn't a battle royale. It was just an open world zombies. It was like a zombies map that had no rounds that was too big. 
And it still had objectives, and it still had the philosophy that the further you go or the longer you last, the more intense the zombies were. But there weren't enough zombies. There were entire swaths where you're walking around waiting for something to kill, hoping someone will come after you. And this game, this year, is absolutely different. And I don't think people are going to give it the credit it deserves for what it's doing right now. I'm going to go on a limb and say this might be the hardest zombies I've ever played. Now... Obviously, I can't even compare it to the other zombies because the other zombies are closer quarters. Maybe some large maps, but not that large, right? More restrictive, more focused, round-based. It's the philosophy. So it can't even be compared to the others because there's no others that have done it like this. This zombies mode is exciting because it whittles you fucking down. First of all, the way it works, it's like DMZ from last year, but for those of you who don't know, it's an extraction-based COD Zombies this time around. It is a massive open-world environment where you and two other friends can jump in and play. Cross-play, cross-progression, all that well and good. You can also meet up with other squads and form a mega-squad. Why you can't jump in with four people, I'll never fucking know. I don't know why the industry is pushing to three-player co-op. I've talked about this before. The finals is doing it. Almost every other mode, Wolong, Remnant. What the fuck is going on? What happened to four-player co-op? I don't get it. Aside from that, you jump in, and it's like Battle Royale and or DMZ. You're running around, you're looting shit. Oh, is this a good gun? Okay, this is rare, this is uncommon. You got your regular rarities to your guns. You got good guns, you got bad guns. That's all good and fine. Oh, you also drop in with a certain weapon that you choose. If you die, you lose that weapon permanently. Anyway... This is an extraction shooter. The entire goal of this is not to last as long as possible. It's to last as long as possible and survive and escape. So as you're looting, you're getting better gear. The gear you can use in two different ways. One, you can stow it and keep it and try to extract with it and have it for later rounds. Or, big or, you can use it right then and there. Either way is perfectly fine, and it's a balancing act. It's a decision. Do you use this better gun right now, use this better this, this perk right now, to aid you to get further, to get better gear in this run, or do you want to save it to get a jump start and start fresh? It's a little stressful, but honestly I've learned that it's okay either way. You, you will get stuff, and... and I think right now as I'm learning the mechanics, it's, it's splitting it half and half. If I, find one, if I find two good perks, I'm saving one to stow, and I'm using one to help me get the fuck out, because it's really hard to survive. So you will actually have to use what you pick up. You don't have a lot of space either, so you have to be very smart. You can't just loot and you get like four or five slots to actually equip stuff. You can, only, you can only, and also you can't stow guns. You can only hold two guns at a time, and you use those two guns. Now, obviously, if you extract with them, you keep them. So the whole name of the game is to push further. Now, there is no storm that's closing you in. You go at your time, at your pace, but there is a timer that is ticking down. In the bottom top left corner, you can see it at all times. You have an hour from the jump. You have 60 minutes to get in, do what you want, and get the fuck out. You've got a plethora of objectives and mini modes. Defend this, extract this, hold this point, escort this vehicle. Small stuff, easy, can be done in 5-10 minutes. The hordes come on you, you kill them, you get points. You get your little basic, you know, cash, your your 
essence points or whatever from either pickups, from doing objectives, and from killing enemies. Killing enemies grants you 5 per kill. I think with like mutants it's 10 or 15. So not a lot. You'd have to kill a shit ton of enemies to get them. Those points can be used, of course, to hit mystery boxes. There are mystery boxes. There are pack-a-punches on different locations. There's all your classic stuff. So you loot and shoot. Armor is the name of the game. Make sure you watch your armor levels. Your health is okay, but your armor is where it's at. This is unlike any other god. Zombies, that is. You have armor plates like DMZ and like Warzone. you got to plate the fuck up. That will give you so much more of a chance. It's like Jug. So always make sure you got enough plates on hand and always make sure those plates are full when you're going into an engagement. There are no PvP elements here. You will see other players. You can work with them. You can join as a super squad, though I don't quite know how, but I know you can. So that's good. Thank God they can't actually hurt you or steal from you. That would be too stressful and really annoying. This is a full PvE mode. It is primarily zombies, but there are points where there are mercenaries. There are AI who will shoot you like DMZ. They have good gear. They got strongholds. They will fuck you up at a distance. They are very easy to kill. They're much easier to kill than zombies, but they do more damage from range. Zombies can throw their flesh at you if you're, like, in the water and stuff, but... Or if they can't reach you. The only place zombies can't go is water. And you can. You can swim. So if you're absolutely overwhelmed, jump in water. A little tip for you all. Folks, these zombies are difficult as a motherfucker. I've never fought zombies that are so difficult. And it's not just that they hit you like a motherfucker. Like one to two hits can take out your armor and then another hit could kill you. Honest to God. Not only are they difficult in terms of speed and they're pretty smart. They're not the smartest. They're still zombies. But they, they do good damage. They move decently. Not only that... They also have a good amount of health. Now, in the Tier 1, there's three tiers. You start at Tier 1, and in the map, it's just the gray area. It's the easy, it's the low threat. You still got a lot of zombies, and you still have stuff that can kill you. Sure, but it's suitable. You're going to stay in there the longest, most likely. Probably you stay in there about 20 to 30 minutes. At least when you're starting the game, when you're getting used to the mechanics. It's a balancing act, and I think that's the hardest thing. I, I wish the timer was a little longer. I wish it was a 90-minute timer or two-hour timer. But I guess that, that would completely break the balance because you'd be OP going in. It's a balance of how long do I stay here until I push, and do I want to push? You can exfil at any point, and the exfil is a process. You, you go there. You wait for the availability. You call in the chopper. You wait for the chopper. The chopper gets there. It takes a second to land. Then you get in, and it takes a few more seconds, and then it takes off, and then you're good. And when the chopper's coming, it alerts the horde, and so many more enemies jump on you. So you got to be equipped and ready to go. When you successfully exfil, you, what you have on your persons will be stored, and you can bring it into another game. There are two different forms of looting. There's acquisitions and schematics. I haven't gotten schematics yet, but acquisitions are things you pick up, and you can use again once. It's a consumable. You pick up a juggernaut, juggernaut can and you can fucking use it right then and there on the spot. Or you can ex exfil with it, keep it for your next game. Load in, you know, equip it to your loadout, load in, do it. Same with guns, same with everything. Here's the thing, though. They did something really interesting. With guns, if you extract with a purple rarity gun, 
AVX fill with it and you load in with that gun again in the next game, it will not be purple. It will be gray. It will be baseline. But it will still be that gun model and it will still have those attachments on board. So it will still be more powerful than what you were probably previously rocking. So it's still worth it. But it's not worth stressing over. You'll get shards. There are these crystals that um, there's two different types of consumables as well. And they can also be schematics. I'll talk about those in a second. There's one that upgrades the rarity of the gun, and then there's one that Pack-a-Punches it. As you all know, Pack-a-Punch is giving it even more power and special elemental damage and some extra bonuses. That's what it used to only be, and then since Cold War, now there's gun rarity types, and that improves the overall damage and fire rate and recoil and accuracy and all that. It just makes the gun statistically better. So if you have a purple or a legendary multi-Pack-a-Punch weapon, you're good. And just like DMZ, you can have a couple of insured and slotted weapons. But what I've read and heard, I haven't done this yet. I haven't experienced it firsthand. But when you exfil with a pack-a-punch weapon, you will lose that pack-a-punch. Now, it will convert to XP, and you'll still get to use that gun in the future. But it will not be pack-a-punched, and it will be baseline level. It'll just keep its attachments if it has any attachments, which it most likely will if it's a higher level or if it's pack-a-punched beforehand. That's what I've heard. I don't know about the Pack-a-Punch, but I do know about the rarity tiers. They're stripped down once you go back in. And you might think, well, why? That doesn't make it fun. It would make it extremely unbalanced, because if you load in with a legendary gun all of a sudden after your first or second playthrough, the game's just going to be a breeze. There's no more challenge to it. So I do understand that. It still gives you a more powerful gun with attachments. It's just the rarity level isn't statistically boosting it. So I kind of get it. It also gives reason to get those consumables where you can upgrade the rarity on the fly. Those are acquisitions, one-time-use things when you go in and exfil with them. Then there's schematics. That's the real name of the game. That's what I'm excited to really delve into. There's schematics for everything. Field upgrades, ammo different ammo types, all stuff from the Cold War stuff, the, the type of material that helps upgrade the rarity of the weapon, and the crystals that help instantly pack-a-punch a weapon one or two times or whatever level. There's three different levels of pack-a-punch. First one being 5,000, 10,000, 15,000. You can go to a pack-a-punch machine on the map if you have the, that cash, and you can pack-a-punch within those tiers, tier 1, 2, and 3, right? Tier 3 is super difficult, by the way. You will die immediately. Tier 3 is so fucking difficult, I don't even know how to fight it yet. I, I, I got in it once. I died almost immediately, just to see. Because my buddy sees drove me into it without telling me. But um, anyway, tier 2 is super fucking hard. So it's like... It would be like for my Zombies fans who haven't played this yet, if I'm equating it to rounds, Tier 1 is like round... Honestly, they're already harder from the jump, so it's actually like round 5 to, I'd say, round 10 difficulty, give or take. Maybe even round 15. I'd say between round 5 and 15 is the difficulty and health pool and damage, depending on where you are in Tier 1. But Tier 1 is, is easier, but still challenging. Tier 2... Is like, it's like round 15 to 30, honestly. Which is, as you all know, pretty fucking difficult. Uh, maybe not as bad. Maybe round 15 to 20, 25. But still, pretty difficult. And then, I don't know. Personally, I find round, tier, round 30 up is especially hard at any point. It's just exponentially more difficult. They're longer rounds. There's more enemies. They have way more health. They do way more damage. And they're faster and smarter. And that's Tier 3. Tier 3 is absolutely insane. And there's bosses now. Unlike anything you've ever seen. And behemoths and shit like that. It's 
crazy. It actually takes a page from Diablo. It's kind of cool. Um, so you need to be really buff the fuck up. I don't think people are going to start really winning and completing and tackling tier 3 until they get more schematics. So schematics as opposed to acquisition. Same thing. It's the same copy thing. Like you can get a schematic or an acquisition of the same item. But an acquisition is a one-time use whenever you decide to use it. A schematic, you permanently unlock that. Oh my god, how exciting is that? You can get a schematic of the ray gun. I don't know how, but if you do, that means every time you jump into the game, you can start with a ray gun. And then there goes the question, well, wait a second, didn't you just say if you have the rarity levels or the pack-a-punch, then that make it imbalance? Yeah, for when you're new to the game, these schematics are not easy to get. I assume you can only get them in Tier 3 difficulty. So right now, I don't even think I could get them. Maybe they're randomized drops, but if they are, I assume they're more frequently dropped in Tier 3. You could probably get them from certain missions and challenges, since there is a light story mode and act to it. So you probably get one guaranteed schematic of some kind. I realized yesterday you can't get schematics of any other type of weapon. Weapons are supposed to be non-worrisome. You get good weapons, you get out, you'll find new weapons all the time. And you will. You'll find better weapons the further you push in. So really don't stress weapons. It's the perks. It's the ammo mods. And of course the wonder weapons. That's a whole different thing. There are currently three in the game. And you can get schematics for two of them. I'd love to get a schematic for the ray gun. Now the schematics are on a cooldown. I believe they're on a two or three hour cooldown. So once you use it once for that game. You can load in. You don't permanently lose it. It's just on a cooldown before you can use it again. So you do have to play a few matches without jumping in with it. Still, you get to permanently keep it. It doesn't go away forever. You don't have to hope you get another ray gun. It's kind of like a semi-guaranteed. So when you're loading in and the boys are going to stay on late at night and you know you got time and you, really, you guys really want to beat Tier 3 and you got some better perks, some better schematics, the idea is like, okay, great, now we can load our best gear in and use it and really get into it. I like that idea. I think that's a cool concept. I think it's fun to grind for. I'm curious on how they're going to improve the support, how they're going to continue. Are they going to add some new elements, some new enemies, some new weapons? Are they, what are they going to balance? Are they going to change the timers? What are they going to change? And how long will this mode be supported? Probably just until the next god comes out. But it's fun. I really enjoy it. Can it get stale? Sure. It's the same map. It's the same function. you got got multiple small objectives you can do. And my biggest concern going in before I played it was pacing and the enemy density. I was really afraid it was going to be like Outbreak. Just like, oh god, a massive world with boring objectives. Because I really want to go in there and kill zombies get better loot. I think that's what everyone's goal is. We'll do the small objectives to pass the time. Sure, get some bonus points or gear, but like, that's not the real focus. I will say the objectives are kind of interesting. They're not boring. Not yet, at least. They're not the most exciting or creative by any means, but they're simple. <laughs> they're really easy to do. They're not necessarily easy to like pull off all the time, but they're easy in terms of logic. You just go there, you press a button, you initiate something, you protect it for a certain amount of time. They don't waste your time, which is important because time is of the essence and you're just trying to get good enough gear to push into the next tier. This game is hard. You will die a lot and you will fail. And unfortunately, when you die and when you fail, you lose everything. So if you get a really rare weapon, like if you get a ray gun drop or you get a crate of some good stuff, 
a handful of good perks or something, you might just want to exfil early. Not take your chances. Build up a stockpile of some gear so you have some variety to jump in and get further. And I think that's the balancing act. I think a lot of people are going to struggle with that because it's like, how do I know what will be useful later down the road? Kind of like the whole idea with the gumball mechanic in Black Ops 3, just amplified. And I'm really appreciative that they give schematics. Even though there's not too many, there's enough. And that gives you hope that once you get that schematic, you're good. You can craft it. It'll be on a cooldown, but you can have it and you don't have to worry. Because then it'll be a very tedious and exhausting process. Because that is where the problem lies. It's like it still takes a shit ton of time and energy and focus to get to tier 3. And that's where, that's the goal. But then again, I also understand if you if you make it too easy to get to tier 3 and someone beats it in the first week, there's almost no value in playing this mode again. I would say the ultimate challenge, this does actually seem like something where it's limited because there's no round base. Round base is hard, it's fun. And there's different things you can do. You could just, in a traditional zombies, you could just, I mean, for one, once you learn the map and learn the mode and the features, you can just try to go high round. And because the maps are so iconic and the flow of gameplay is so fun, you could just have fun going high round every time. And I think that's what a lot of us really love about COD. Especially zombies, you can almost always guarantee to have fun. If you load into Origins, if you load into, uh, you know, Ascent, Ascent? Is that what it's called? Am I losing my mind? Is that what it's uh, Anyway, if you load into um, Kino or wherever, Buried, God bless that map. Hope we see that in a remaster at some point. Town, Transit, doesn't matter. If you load into any of the classic COD Zombies maps and you just want to go high round, get as many good guns and stay alive as long as possible, it's a blast. Now they got that shit in VR on Contractors as a mod, I'm definitely going to have to try that. It's so fun to try to make your previous record survive against the Horde. It's so difficult, it gets so chaotic, and it's so fun, and it's devastating when you lose. But it's okay, you can jump back in. What Black Ops 3 offered with its gumball mechanics, even though it was microtransaction heavy, was interesting because it added a dynamic where every round you can pop another gumball for free so long as it's in your loadout. You get a few that you can use infinitely, like a schematic, and then some that are consumable. They are much higher quality. So you swap that loadout of those gumballs in when you're about, you and your boys are going to try to go high round or really try to get that Easter egg done or do something more complex and you're all ready and you're locked in, you got the time, you get your best loadout ready. And that's it. That's all you load in with the gumballs. You know, everything else is traditional COD. You just hope you get better guns as you go along. That was the start of that thought process. And it was a balancing act. Okay, do I use my power vacuum gumball? Do I use my perkaholic gumball? Or do I just stick with the basics? So as I'm warming up this game, and it's been a while, you know what I mean? It's a balancing act, and it was kind of fun to figure that out. And nothing's more fun when you got all the gumballs that you want, you're going in, everyone else is going in, you guys are getting high rounds, you're having a good night. Two or three hour game, just one time for the night. It's always a good time. Stressful, but a good time. This has that. It's just more condensed. And I think that's appropriate for this. It's a side mode. It's an experimental mode. It's in Modern Warfare. It's the first COD we've ever had, COD Modern Warfare, that has a zombies, a dedicated zombies by Treyarch. So there's that as well. We've never seen that in a Modern Warfare entry. We've also never seen a full-scale open world like this. Outbreak was similar, but, you know, it's still open world. It was the first open world zombies, but this is much more polished, refined. 
So if you like, so for my folks who played MW2, if you like DMZ and you like zombies, you will absolutely love this mode. If you like zombies and you really appreciate it and you're okay with being flexible, I want you to remember, this is a side mode on an off-season game of Treyarchs. If this was the only Zombies offering in a Cold War or Black Ops or whatever rendition a fully-fledged Treyarch game, then we have a problem. Right? But think about it. Every mainline Treyarch-only intensive game has a suite for Black Ops. They know what to do. I mean for Zombies, I'm sorry. Black Ops 1, Black Ops 2, Black Ops 3, even Black Ops 4. Cold War. And World at War. But, anyway. Those are the mainline Treyarch games. All of those zombies are good. Or at least plentiful, even if they're not as good. Black Ops 4 was subpar, but it was still plentiful. You still got a lot of zombies. A lot of bang for your buck. And people are not putting two and two together a lot of the times. They're like, oh my god, they're doing the zombies, and it's just... What happened to round base? I'm seeing that all the time. It's like... Folks, this is off-season. Normally, this slot would be DMZ or survival or whatever. I mean, COD Ghost had that extinction mode, which is essentially with zombies but with things. Infinity Ward has take, taken cracks at zombies, and apparently they've done okay, but there's something that Treyarch does. There's a special ingredient to theirs that's always just superior. And so they came back, and they done did it again. And I gotta give them credit. This game is actually really fucking fun and very fucking challenging. It is the standout mode. It is much better than I thought it was. Now, I've only played like four or five matches. I don't think it has the replayability like anything else. I don't think it'll be iconic. I think it'll be forgotten in a few years, much like Blackout. Much like Outbreak. But if you're a fan of zombies, and you want another cross-play, cross-progression zombies experience that you can have that isn't just Cold War, this is that opportunity. I really wish this was a free-to-play mode, because I honestly, if it was, I probably wouldn't have bought the entire package. I probably would have waited, played that, and seen if I was interested in playing multiplayer. And I think my friends would have been in that same boat. So if it was four-player, completely free-to-play and cross-play, that would have been cool. I've said this before, I have an entire episode called COD Zombies from, I think, two years ago now. A year and a half ago. Talking about my idea of what they should do when Microsoft acquires Activision. And now that they have, I think this will happen at some point, and I think it should happen, And but there's appropriate and inappropriate ways to do it. So, I think this game, this franchise, COD Zombies, we need a fully-fledged Master Chief Collection type for COD Zombies. We kind of got that half-step with Black Ops 3 Zombies. But I think it's time we get it again, with the newest improved graphics and frame performance improvements and enhancements all on new dedicated servers fully cross-play cross-progression with every zombies mode map and feature available like the master chief collection you select which version you want they're all remastered just in terms of better graphics better lighting better frame rate better performance and you could play it with different control schemes or different elements and there would be, since it's its own thing, it would be overarching progression systems. Crystals, uh, maybe certain weapons and rarities. I like the weapon rarities. I like the extra armor pieces. I like the kill streaks and upgrades you can get in Cold War. It made it more fun, and it gave you a little more incentive to come back and keep playing, because, you know, 
you have more ways of getting more powerful other than just getting lucky and being able to pack a bunch of something. Still have that and have your perks, but then also have some other elements. I think that'd be really cool. All the maps, all the DLC, all the zombies modes, at least the Treyarch ones to begin with, and then some of the extra ones. All in one place. Four player across the board at minimum. Maybe even more, maybe six player. Maybe try that for a change, but I know that would be a whole different reworking of things. But at least four player, co-op, cross progression, cross play, full through and through on new dedicated servers with less glitches, better performance, all of that. All mastered as one. Bundled as one. One price available on all platforms. And of course, eventually, day one for free on Game Pass to incentivize people to go over to Game Pass is fine. But also put it on PlayStation. Put it on anything that can it, that it can run on. If they made that game $70, that would sell like crazy. And then every other year or so, after the latest Zombies comes out in the new COD, if they do that, kind of like what they do with Halo, that eventually gets trickled into it. Or it has its own seasonal progression, it has its own new maps and modes and features, and it only goes to that. Or maybe it's expansions, and every other year you pay 20 bucks for a new expansion, a new DLC. Or you grind it out, kind of like Rainbow Six, like it's operators. You could grind it out, but it'd be so fucking time-consuming, you might as well... Just buy it, but it gives you an option if you really want to or if you dedicate those time and play well. That would be really good. Because right now the COD Zombies fan base is fractured and really Black Ops 3 is the best way to do it, but even Black Ops 3 is finicky. So that would be a really cool step for the Zombies' health. And I've said it before and I've said it again. I'll say it again. I think that is that will be great. I wish... You know, I wish for that to happen, and I actually think it will happen knowing Microsoft and knowing the trend of things. And I think, uh, I think this new Zombies mode kind of lends to that thought process of if we have further carrying over progressions and systems in play. This is definitely building off of Cold War. The Mangler, the Mimic, a couple other things. But they've added some new bosses and stuff. I've only seen one so far, and it fucked me so badly. But it's interesting. And I'm excited to see the future of COD Zombies. So I have to say from a mechanical standpoint, this actually works well. Last night I played it with friends. I mean, I played it with friends. I had a blast. It's really fun with friends. People are saying, don't play the solo. Don't play the solo. I wholeheartedly disagree with that sentiment. Obviously, when you first play it, play it with friends. And once you get used to the flow, this game can be played alone. Not just like filling with uh, Randy's. I mean fully not squad filling, going solo. I actually played it solo and I was the most successful alone. I mean, it took two or three games to get used to the mechanics and to understand. It's very difficult. It's not just slightly difficult. When you jump into a new tier, it is exponentially harder than the previous. So you have to be ready for that. You truly do. But I, honest to God, I think it's just as fun playing solo. In fact, I enjoyed it a lot. I felt like Will Smith and I Am Legend. Just a lone survivor, getting the gear I can. Just doing stuff at my own pace, having fun, trying to get far, and figuring out, mm, maybe I should exfil. And it was kind of even better because I was trying to accumulate some gear so I have something decent to jump in when my friends jump on so I got some better stuff to kickstart with. So I am very pleasantly surprised with this mode. This is not the best zombies ever. This is not, I'm not saying, oh, this replaces every other zombies. I like Cold War zombies more than this. 
I like all the OG Black Ops games more than this. I like the or the first three. I think I like this more than Black Ops 4 Zombies, though I never really gave Black Ops 4 Zombies a chance, but I'm actually having a blast with this. Mind you, I've only played it for like four or five hours total, but still, it's a good amount of time to know the basics. It's difficult. It's fun. It is very difficult. You will die. Also, you could pick up your friends even when they're dead. So when you're dead, you're not permanently dead unless everyone dies. So it does balance some mechanics of DMZ a lot. Sometimes it's a little too much. Like the little things, like the little shit you could sell. I, I don't like that. That's clutter. It's annoying. It's confusing. I think they could cut that. I also think the map's a little too big. I think it was scaled down about 20%. It'd make it even more fun. I like the challenge. I like being overwhelmed by zombies. And I was really scared we wouldn't get that, and we absolutely do. So if you're skeptical, if you're curious, that's how I think about the zombies game. That is actually the biggest pro and highlight of this game. The multiplayer is solid. The campaign's skippable. And the zombies mode is actually standout and pretty fun. It's not perfect. It's not the greatest thing ever, but it is a good time. And if you're into that stuff, I think you'll really enjoy it. So those are the pros for COD Modern Warfare 3. The new one. Map selection. Better OG maps. Good weapons. Decent customization. Solid performance. Uh, bringing back everything we loved. Kill streaks and all that stuff. Mini map is back. All those things. Good pacing. Good movement. Good shooting. All on OG maps. This is also the first time we've gotten this many OG maps in a modern COD. So it's really cool to see that. So the multiplayer suite is all there. It's just unfortunate because it's all stuff we should have had last year. So it just feels weird that we have to validate stuff that we've had before. And I think that's where the disconnect comes in. People are going to be like, oh, you're def defending it when it... No, 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 I'm not defending it. I'm... It should have been there before. And I'm upset that it wasn't. But I also can't... I can't just gripe and complain of what could have and should have been when I have what is. And I'll be honest with you, folks. I'd much rather have it than not have it and complain that I don't have it. Now, I wish I could have it for cheaper. This entire package is probably worth $30, and I'd say 20 of those dollars is actually towards the zombies. And that's where it matters the most. The zombies is unique. It's fun. It's not the best thing ever. It won't last forever, but it is a fun time. And if you're into that or if you're curious, I definitely say check it out. But I'm more excited and more enthused of what Treyarch will come up with zombies. And I really hope we just get more focus on COD zombies this time around. The multiplayer they got down pat. I'm not worried about multiplayer. I don't. I like the campaign, but I don't really care as much anymore after Cold War's campaign. Let's say Return to Roots, Black Ops 1 and 2 campaign style. Which it kind of did with Cold War as a prequel, but still. I think it'd be really cool to have the next Black Ops be Vietnam. Like, truly Vietnam, not just Cold War. Cold War was had moments in Vietnam. I'd like the whole thing to be Vietnam. We've never had a full-blown COD Vietnam game. And it would fit for Treyarch in the Black, Black Ops thing. They did quite a bit of that with Cold War. There was some missions and stuff in Vietnam. Hell, one of the maps in Zombies was in Vietnam. So just crank that up with better graphics and more focus on that. I think that'd be a real interesting one. Call of Duty, Black Ops, Vietnam. Or COD V, though that might confuse people at Vanguard. But still, if we've had World War II this much, why not explore other wars? I think they were exploring the Gulf War. Kind of interesting, honestly. I wouldn't be against that. Black Ops is cool because it actually transcends all time and space. It goes from Cold War all the way up to the future war of 
2023, I think, <laughs> or 2025 or something. Anyway, that's the pros. Let's get into the cons. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a couple days. I've been distracted playing more zombies. And I got to say, it's still a fun mode. You know, at first I thought, okay, maybe it's like the first two days, you know, first initial four or five hours, just pure excitement, learning the mechanics. And there's some gripes, there's some frustrations. And no, it's not the greatest zombies ever, as I said in the last segment. But it's fun. It's a better mode than I expected it to be. I'm having a good time. And it's probably the standout mode this year. But that's not at the chagrin of the, the multiplayer. The multiplayer is also very solid this year. They've improved a lot of mechanics. It's fun to play. There's good customization. There's good maps. There's map boating. It's all there. But there's an energy missing. Now let's talk about the cons now because there's a good amount of them. And I really want to get into this, but I didn't want to front load this with a negativity because I feel like everyone and their grandma is just shitting on this game because it's the easy thing to do, and I'm not about that. I don't take the easy route. I'll take the path of least resistance if it's most logical, but this wasn't that. This wasn't necessary. It's got problems. It's not the greatest game ever. So when you hear this, I don't want people to be coming after me being, it was a terrible game. What do you say? Listen, to each their own, right? And I'm not saying this is the greatest COD ever. I'm not even saying this is, but I'm not saying this is the worst, right? I think Vanguard has to stand in the modern realm of one of the worst CODs ever. Now, I can't say of all time, there are so many COD games and spinoff games that have come out over the years that I haven't even played. So, yeah. But it's up there. Vanguard is just objectively shitty. If you want a good World War II COD, play the original three or play um, even the 2017 World War II one. It's not great, but I, I gotta give it props. It was of an era. Oh man, times were so much simpler back in 2016 and 17. And I didn't even know it. I mean, it wasn't that simple. I mean, I had a lot of shit going on. But even then, I was like, god damn. I miss those times a little bit. Not too much, though. Those are, those are dark times. Anyway, so here we go. Let's talk about the cons. First and foremost, as I said before, adding something that was previously removed in the last iteration does not qualify itself for originality or for adding a new mechanic or anything. It's just repairing what was broken. You don't want to do this in a trilogy. You don't want to do it, especially when the story is very heavily based. And the story suffered because of this, I think. Look at the new Star Wars trilogy. For my Star Wars fans, this is always a sore spot. But really, look at it. Because I, I want to... I'm a filmmaker, and I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, so I think I have some ground to talk about this. And this relates to trilogies and... How you have to respect the previous iteration. Sequels are hard to do because you have to follow up and maintain what was beloved and what was set forth as foundation in the previous, but still innovate and have something new to say. And if you're an artist, you always want to have something new to say. It's one of the great joys of being an artist, right? But here's the thing. The problem with Star Wars... You know, some some people may boil it down to specifics. Oh, Ray wasn't a good character. Oh, the, this plot line did me. Oh, the, and that's all well and good. 
I mean, I, I completely understand what, where you're coming from if, if you're one of those people who argue the specifics. Because I could definitely see that, and I definitely have argued the specifics. But I'm talking broader picture here. Disney did not sit down. Kathleen Kennedy did not sit down. It did not seem like... Actually, I have no confirmation if they did or did not do this. I'm hard-pressed to believe this much money, energy, and time spent into this trilogy. No one sat down and wrote a three-part structure... For the entire trilogy. Ah, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. When you're writing a film, usually, if you're trying to get your bearings, you write a three-part outline. Now, of course, you can change that outline later, right? It's just a rough draft. It's a mock-up. But when I write movies, I write a beginning, a middle, an end. Three acts. It's simple. You can have a movie that's four acts, five acts, six acts. You can have it be like an opera, which is usually five to six acts. You know, you can have it be like a stage play, which is usually three. You could have it be like a, you know, just a more simple two act, beginning and end. That middle part is really exciting usually, but anyway, that's fine. It depends on the format, depends on the pacing. There's a lot of variables at play, so it's up to the discretion of the author. That's perfectly fine. But when you don't do it at all, there's going to be some inconsistencies. If you just freestyle write it, okay, you might hit on some cool parts. But if you don't have forethought on how to connect things, and we're not talking about someone who's sitting down and writing a session for a couple hours, you can make that connect just fine. I mean, look how I'm doing with this. And this is even discombobulated a little bit because it's stretched between a couple days. Imagine writing a fucking Star Wars movie. Usually rule of thumb is the runtime, the, the format we use in screenplay, in a drama, in a traditional drama, the format we use in terms of type font and spacing and all that is designed intentionally for two purposes. One, simple to read for anybody and accessible. Two, the general page length is the rough approximation of the minute runtime. So if your movie is, if you have a short film that needs to be 30 minutes. It's roughly going to be 30 pages. Now, action sequences and or um, certain tones and pacing for dialogue, if it's a really fast back and forth like an Aaron Sorkin or, um, you know, or even a Scorsese or Tarantino dialogue picture, then, you know, it's not going to be as accurate. But generally, rule of thumb for rough fucking approximation, you know, general targeting... It's a good way to kind of benchmark your page length is the runtime of minutes. So if you've got a 15-page whatnot, it's probably going to be about 17 to 18 minutes long. The reason why it's not 15 is because you also have to consider opening and end credits. And you give yourself a little buffer. So right now I'm writing a short film. I'm very excited for it. It's one of my best that I've written so far. And it's actually something I'm going to to crowdfund and crowdsource. And of course, as I finish up writing that, start getting my people together, start planning it out in pre-production and start getting ready to shoot. I'll be shooting it early next year, ideally, God willing. Um, but that's also dependent on the funding. And there's no rush to the this. I want it to be good. I don't want it to be rushed. So as much as I want to get it done before the end of next year, obviously, I don't want to linger and be creatively stilted stilted stunted 
um, then, yeah. So I'll let you all know about that as it comes with the funding. Any kind of support that you're interested in giving, that would be great. And of course, it will come with rewards, tiers, and perks. Um, it's a very exciting picture. I'm really, really excited. I think a lot of you will uh, definitely enjoy it if you enjoy any of my other content. But with that, I've written, originally it was like 18 pages. I wrote it and now I, I've trimmed it down to 12. I've cut six pages. That's a hard thing to do, to cut a quarter of the entire screenplay down to make it more entertaining and feasible and digestible. So right now it's at about 12 pages. It's probably going to stay at that length. What that actually means is it's probably about 15 minutes long, not 12, because I'm considering credits. I'm considering some action moments. I'm considering some slowdowns and speed-ups. So it's just rough to give myself a little buffer, that three-minute buffer, which is a lot considering it's a very short film. It's only 15 minutes to 12 minutes in length. So three minutes is one-fourth of that. You know what I mean? So anyway, um, of 12 at least, not of 15. So yeah, um... But when writing a story, in general, you do a three-part structure. But the thing is, that's with each individual piece. So Force Awakens, Last Jedi, whatever the last one was, Rise of Skywalker, um, you know, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, right? Uh, that's how you do it. Even if it's not a story, you have a plan. Video games are designed differently. When we're talking about the video game as a whole... Not just the campaign, not just the story. It's not a three-part structure, but you make a roadmap. Okay, we're going to have Modern Warfare 2019, 20... We're going to have Modern Warfare reboot series starting in 2019. So we're going to have a one, two, and a three. The campaigns are all going to be kind of similarly lined up with the previous ones. That's the one... That's where we have to have the most nostalgia and hearkening back with the characters and stuff, because that's where we're going to be able to do that. And then the multiplayer. We're going to have X amount of maps from this game and modes from that and new guns here and licensed content here. You know what I mean? They have to come up with a plan. And it seems like they did because it's actually all things considered, even though there's some jank to it, it's a pretty well thought out plan. But the problem is this year has shown a massive chink in the armor, just like with this new Star Wars trilogy that I swear to you, I, I on every fiber I have, if... Unless Abrams himself comes out and says, yeah, no, we had an outline the whole time, uh, which would just destroy me because I'd be like, because that's the only logical explanation of why that whole thing was a fucking mess. Because, not because of the fidelity, not because of the acting, all the actors were great. I don't even want to shit on the directors. I think the directors did a great job. The writing was okay, not great. Uh, especially in the last one, the writing was really rough. Of course, I think they were rushed. They scrapped it, and they had to kind of reverse engineer it. The problem really fell into not having any cohesion or consistency within the overarching vision for this three-movie trilogy, right, over that course of time. That's the problem. Force Awakens set all these things up. Force Awakens is neutral. A lot of people say it's good, it's solid. I think it's great. I think it's a great movie. I don't think, you know, obviously, nothing beats the original three for me. And nothing will ever come close. But that's okay. But I really enjoyed Force Awakens. It was hearkening back to the roots. It was starting some really exciting things. It was visually phenomenal. 
soundtrack score, all that was great. Sound design was incredible. The acting was great. It, it opened up a lot of intrigue, and it brought us back into a world, into a galaxy far, far away we haven't been able to explore in the live-action space in a long time. Mind you, when this movie came out in 2014, oh my fucking god, it's almost been ten years. <sighs> when that movie came out, that was the first time we've come back into the live-action sphere of Star Wars since 2006 in eight years. That's a good amount of time. Mind you, in that span, the first two or three phases of the MCU kicked off. This was a year before Age of Ultron. That's how long ago this movie came out. And then it was another four and a half years until Last Jedi. Or three. And I want to say something about The Last Jedi. Do I think it is the greatest Star Wars movie ever? No. Do I think it is the best sequel Star Wars movie ever? Fuck no. Empire Strikes Back is. Because it elevated. It took everything we loved about Star Wars. It expanded the universe. It expanded the, uh, the, the consequences and the circumstances of the characters. It made it more interpersonal so we could follow the emotional path of Luke and the Skywalker family, and the drama, and the, the clash of, of cultures, and the royalty, essentially, right, of the Empire, and, and the light, the good and evil, and it shows how menacing, and how threatening, truly, to scale, that Vader, and the Empire, really is, that's what revenge, I'm sorry, Empire Strikes Back did, Revenge of the Sith did that too, Empire Strikes Back was the villain's story. It was Vader's time to shine. He was introduced in A New Hope. That was all about Luke. This time we spun the table. I mean, obviously it was still following Luke. But that's why it was such a great sequel. Because it elevated the stakes. It elevated the consequences. It elevated the scope, the scale, the quality of production. It maintained what we loved about the first one. And it introduced one of the greatest movie villains. And one of the greatest villains ever put out in a piece of art with Darth Vader. Truly introduced him. I mean, we were introduced with him in general. You know, we saw him. I mean, we were truly introduced with him in New Hope, no doubt. But we were actually shown the real Vader, I think. The real scale, the real power of Vader. The real dynamicism of his character arc in Empire Strikes Back. The problem with The Last Jedi is it didn't have any of that. It had elevated stakes. But I do think the best thing about The Last Jedi was it was actually the most philosophical Star Wars, which I think is always okay to have in Star Wars. And I actually liked the whole take on Grey Jedi. And I liked how that movie was purposely trying to say, we gotta quit the red versus blue here, you know, because it's a perpetual cycle. And it posed an interesting theory. What if Ray and Ren joined forces. They were not as different as they seemed. And that movie's strongest point, I, I swear I will always stand by this, is Kylo Ren and Rey's relationship. And it's not romantic in my eyes. I never pictured it as romantic. There were moments of 
flirtation, but I don't really ever, I know, you're listening to this and you're like, Jesus Christ, he's using this whole Modern Warfare as to talk about anything else except Modern Warfare. He must not like the game. I do. I just, I do want to talk about the cons, but one of the cons is consistency in a sequel, and I think the greatest example of that is Star Wars, so that's why I'm talking about it. So don't mind the tangent. But as everyone who's close to me, especially my girlfriend knows, as soon as I'm given a chance to talk about Star Wars and I start talking about Star Wars, I don't stop. But I'll try to wrap this up quickly. So, their relationship was the strongest. And I never saw it as a romantic one, so I didn't like what they did in Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker. But um, I saw it more as like a brother and sister, similar akin to Leia and Luke. And I honestly thought that was an interesting dynamic because they were both raised in different circumstances and it should have been flipped ray had no parents her parents were taken away from her she was shown an impoverished life and a and very harsh upbringing fucking kylo ren was raised by heroes of the galactic uh federation is that what it's called of the rebellion he's raised by han and, and leia if you don't know this story by now if you're being spoiled on this what the fuck are you doing go and watch star wars already jesus these new trilogies have been out for almost a decade. <laughs> At least the first one. And I'm not spoiling everything, but my point is that um, I think The Last Jedi is actually a solid Star Wars movie if it stood on its own. But because it's sandwiched between two others, because it had to be a sequel that had to build and innovate, it wasn't. It would have been a better either first movie for a new trilogy... Minus that casino scene, minus some of the heavy, overdramatic moments, right? Adding back some more brevity and adventurism and hero's story, journey, that kind of thing, obviously. I mean, it's not a perfect movie on itself, but it's a better movie if it's not sandwiched as a sequel, as a middle point to elevate the story. Because Ryan Johnson wanted to do his own thing with Star Wars, and I think he did a solid job. I just don't think he was put in the right place. I don't think that movie should have ever put, been put as a sequel. I don't, it didn't work because it retroactively disabled everything that Force Awakens set up. You can't have a trilogy where the first movie sets these things up and the second movie doesn't run with it and doesn't elevate it. It still could have run with it, added new things, elevated it, still had his philosophical quandaries thrown in there, and had that really interesting dynamicism. Two opposing views, but very similar, and some humanity to Ray and Ren, and some empathy between seeing each other's perspective. That was an interesting dynamic. And in the Red Throne Room scene, even though stupid how they fucking murk Snoke, who was going to be the big baddie, that was so dumb. That fight scene was beautifully shot and choreographed, and that showed that these two people with opposing ideologies could possibly come together, right? Reinforcing the whole gray narrative, and that, I swear to you, was the original plan, that they were actually going to join each other, and that was going to be the big twist, the Empire Strikes Back level twist, I swear to you, Ryan Johnson is someone who takes risks. He's not a pussyfooter. I know that because I've seen almost all of his work. And I'm not a huge Ryan Johnson fan. I love, I mean, I love some of his movies. I think he's a great director. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just, I'm not one of those guys that's like, hey, have you seen the latest Ryan Johnson picture? But what I am saying is, um, that's what should have happened. And in it, in everything, the entire movie leads up to this segment. Like an hour and a half leads up to this, and they don't do it. 
And I swear to you, that's Disney saying, no, 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 no. You can't have the bad guy join forces with the good guy and make the whole theory of being neutral, being gray, being able to act on behalf of both sides for whatever's most beneficiary at that moment be the new philosophy of Star Wars. We can't break that tradition. I swear to you that's what happened because if she took his hand, if she joined him and he joined her and they melded and they followed that gray Jedi philosophy that Luke would have put forth, things would have been different. Now, of course, they killed Snoke, so I don't know how that would have, like, what force they would have had to go up against in the third, but that would have opened up a wider array of possibilities. And the problem is that all of Rise of Skywalker is them disconnected, fighting each other, uh, still tormented with the same problems since the first film, so they didn't really change. And then the tail end, the last 20 minutes, they kind of come together like they should have. That would have been such a great twist. It would have paid off the entire setup of Last Jedi. Because everything was being set up as wars. It's war on both sides, right? The Benicio Del Toro role where he's talking about the Empire and the Galactic Republic. They, they still fucking fund each one uh, equally. It's all war at the end of the day. It's all bad and that there's gray Jedis and that there's no really good and evil. It's just how good can you be against how evil you can be, right? It was interesting. And they threw that all away in a one scene, a one-shot choice, where Ray said, mm, Nah, I'm still going to be this naive, stupid person who wants to just do good, even though the entire 90 minutes you've been dragging your audience through, you have literally shown us in the most contrast, dark detail possible that shit ain't what it seems, and she could definitely change her view and still hold true to her personal... Uh, her personal... Uh, convictions. So, needless to say, that entire Star Wars rant is to highlight how important it is that sequels follow the basic principle of take what worked, elevate what was set up, add something new. 50% of it is take what worked, 25% of it is, is, is um, you know, is... Uh, improve what was there and then 25 the last 25 percent is add something new in my opinion that is a a safe way and, and uh, don't get me wrong that's just in terms of amount that doesn't mean quality so that 25 percent of adding something new could be the big twist that changes the entire trajectory of the trilogy or the philosophy of the story or whatever you know what i mean that's all really valuable stuff Sequels are meant to continue what was put forth. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a sequel. And if you can't respect that, then what's the point? And that's where we fall in line with COD. God's trilogy is just as fucking mangled as the new Star Wars trilogy. Once again, I'm so sorry that it took 22 minutes to get to this point on the entire con section. But like I said, any moment I get to talk about Star Wars, I definitely will. Um, and now you've got a little crash course in how to write a semi-decent movie. I'm not a great film writer yet, but I'm getting there. But anyway, here's the kicker about all this. We had a very, very, in my opinion, as I said before, solid start with COD Modern Warfare 2019, the reboot one, right? Campaign was solid, multiplayer was solid. 
it was a great refresh. It looked great. It, it was the best-looking con. The gameplay was there. It's not perfect. There are problems. It's not a masterpiece. It's not, like, the greatest COD ever made. But my God, was it a refreshing and high-quality bar set for the modern era of COD games. Not to be confused with the name Modern Warfare. That's just <laughs> ridiculously confusing. It really did something special. So, here's the thing. Modern Warfare 2 should have elevated. When you look at the original trilogy, and I'm not just talking about campaign. I know I was just comparing it to a film, and so naturally your brain's going to switch and go to, okay, campaign for CODs, that's what we're comparing. That is part of the equation, absolutely. But I'm comparing the entire package of the game. Games are designed differently. But you, but even with a sequel to a video game, it, even if they're, even if it's not just the story mode, even if you got a multiplayer mode and a and a PVE mode like a zombies or a DMZ or a whatever the fuck mode, and or you have a battle royale mode or whatever the case is, when you're making a sequel, it still has to follow the principle of taking what worked mechanically, gameplay wise, maps, modes, features, guns, attachments, cosmetics, whatever, whatever that type of game is. And the story, of course, when and if there is a story or a campaign, right? And the characters and the journey of that. So all of that needs to be taken into consideration. And I, what I failed to mention is a sequel should also should do some light damage control and repair any any inconsistencies or issues or incongruencies that might have been established in the previous iteration for whatever reason. People make mistakes. Listen, you cannot get too mad when an artist doesn't quite hit the mark that you were expecting. Because I guarantee you, unless you're in the industry too, you can't do what they're doing. Even if they make a mistake, you can't do what they're doing. Not saying you can't ever. You could probably learn. And if you're interested, by all means, pursue your passion. But all I'm saying is, if I make a mistake in my album, my rap album, and it's not as good as the previous one, which so far has never been the case, or if I do that with my films, once again, still, it's never been the case, you can say, oh, this isn't as good as I was expecting. That's perfectly fine. That's valid. That's your opinion. And I'll actually take that into consideration. I might cry a little bit, but I'll still take that into consideration, and then I'll use that as a way to reconstruct and figure out where to go from there and to improve, not just for myself, but for you. That's the goal. However, don't be one of those dickheads who was like, I could have done that better. The fuck you could have. All of the people who said they could have made a better Star Wars movie, please and kindly fuck off. Unless you're in film and television, you have no right to say that. Right now, if my buddy, Mr. Norcus himself, check out Psychus Productions when you get a chance. It's our new production company. If he said he thinks he can make it better, okay, now we've got some ground. He can't, because he's not as experienced as Ryan Johnson, just like me. Even if I think I could do better on paper, maybe, but I couldn't actually in execution. I don't have the knowledge and prestige that Ryan Johnson fucking has, even if he messed up. Even if it's not what people wanted. He got the ability to make Star Wars because he knows how to make movies, and he's damn good at it. Everyone who's put in that higher caliber position, the people who make COD, the people who 
the developers, the artists, the filmmakers behind the scenes who are making the art that we consume have worked their ass off and spent their life force to get to that point. And trust me when I say they know better than you. That doesn't discredit that your opinion is also equally important because you're the consumer, you're the audience. So when we're the consumer and the audience, our input is more valuable than anything else. The sum total of our input is too important to be ignored. And so when an artist actively ignores that and thinks they only know best, then there is a bigger problem. Then we have an artist who's technically proficient but horrible at understanding the other side of art. And it's the audience who is going to see your art. It's always a privilege to have people consume what you create when you work so hard to create it. It's always a privilege and it should never be discredited. Even if you don't like what they have to say about it, you don't have to take out everything in the heart. It hurts. It hurts when people try to objectively or subjectively tear down your work. It happens every time. It's happened with me with films, with music, with everything I've ever created and published. Even podcasts, I've had people come and say or do or, or you know, comment in really inappropriate and ineffective ways. Now, I am not one to throw away constructive criticism. Sure, it bugs me at first because I just want people to enjoy it. But I really take it into consideration and I use that. And anybody who's been following me in music or in film knows that... I'm rapidly and constantly improving on my form. And that's because I'm hearing the input of everyone else. And I'm also looking at myself critically and trying to improve as much as possible. That's part of a battle. But it always sucks, nonetheless. It's never fun to hear that. You just want people to enjoy it. You spent a year, you spent two years, you spent six months, you know, however long. You spent this much time, money, energy, blood, sweat, and tears... But at the end of the day, you just got to be thankful that people are willing to even go and consume what you've created. Whether that be visual or audio or both in the medium. Video game developers, small indie video game developers, when you go and play their game, when you beta test, when you early access, whatever the case may be, they are so thankful. Because they didn't know if people would play it in the first place. And they have to get response. Video games is more crucial to get feedback than almost any other form of work because it's also a quality assurance check. You can only do, because there's so many variables in video game development, so complex, you can only do so much quality assurance in-house until it's not just, it's just infallible. I mean, as it comes to a point, I don't think I used that word right, but it comes to a point where you have to test on a larger scale. Because the 20 or 30 people in your studio, while they're, they might be testing for a few months, and that's great, and they iron out the biggest issues, they, they're not going to catch everything. They can't. It's impossible. There's too many variables. You know? So, uh, anyway, with CODs, CONS, its sequel should outpace the previous. You look at the original trilogy, and you see that Okay, Modern Warfare was a classic. It changed first-person shooting forever. It was a phenomenon. And then the sequel just did that better somehow. And people are like, huh? The campaign was better? The everything, almost everything was better. Now some people could say they still prefer Modern Warfare. That's perfectly fine. Both of them are fucking masterpieces. 
And then when Modern Warfare 3 came around, as we talked about earlier in our discussion about trilogies and how to land it, they're hard. They're difficult to land. But if you can at least just keep the quality up and just kind of refine what was there and just stick the landing, that's kind of all you got to do. It's just like landing the plane in the last leg of the journey. Just don't fucking crash the plane and you're fine. And maybe that last leg is a little smoother than the rest of the flight. That's fine too. I have no problem with what the original Modern Warfare 3 did because it just improved the mechanics of Modern Warfare 2. It didn't take away, it didn't massively overhaul, change anything too drastic. It's not perfect, it's not better than MW2. And it just stuck the landing. Even though it wasn't as exciting and it was a little more lackluster, it still stuck the landing. But with this one, there is no landing. Doesn't feel like it. The first one was such high, high heights for a modern COD. Bucked everything I think people thought, the trajectory of COD. It gave me hope that the franchise might actually have a little bit of fight left in it. I didn't think it was going to return to its golden era, but I thought that maybe this would be kind of a refresher to a degree where we're still getting a quality product, even if it's not completely new and original, and that's okay. For a franchise that's been around this long, it's just okay to have something that is just refining what was already put forth years ago with adding some new stuff to keep it fresh. That's fine. I don't think many people should have a problem with that. Who cares? And I think that's what the first of the new reboots did. Then the second one up and fucked it up so badly, pulled The Last Jedi to the nth degree. Makes Last Jedi look like a good sequel in comparison because last year's, even though I gave it okay props because it was still fun to play and I was kind of addicted to it, I gotta say, folks, it just wasn't all that. Right? The bugs, the crashes, the da-da-da-da-da, right? The visual clarity, the, the UI fuck-up, the overcomplicated gunsmith attachment systems, the stripping of features, losing minimap, putting perks on a delay timer, not having hardcore at jump, and then when we do get hardcore, it's tier one, so it's not even hardcore, it's realism, and that, 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 and so many other problems, and the fact that the game hardly even ran properly on top of all of that. It would take two and a half weeks before the game could be playable in a full functioning state, and then let alone be improved enough to want to be playable. That was Modern Warfare 2. That sunk the bar so low that it's really, really hard, and that's why I wanted to talk about Star Wars and all these trilogies and sequels, because it's really important contextually for me to make you understand, I don't really know how to classify this game. It's a good sequel compared to last year's, because last year's was so, so much of a letdown that this one just doing the bare minimum. But this one actually falls in line quite quite coincidentally to what Modern Warfare 3 originally did. Was take the best of the most, the, the best of the, the trilogy, I guess, and just refine it and keep it and, and not really lose too much in the process. And so the argument becomes, why do we pay $70 for a slight improvement over something that is actually not much better or different, might slightly be refined in terms of graphic fidelity, performance, and maybe a little bit more polish on the on the performance or on some of the gameplay mechanics and some new modes, maps, and guns, of course. But other than that, it's really not that different from any of the previous games of the past four years, especially Modern Warfare 2019 and 2022, last year's. 
And I've said before, this is the first time we've ever had a Modern Warfare follow-up a year after Modern Warfare. And like I said, and I said I was going to talk about this more, this is a $70 DLC. Through and through. Hell, even certain storefronts, digital storefronts, labeled it as such by accident at first. That's what the original plan was. And the devs have come out and said, oh, we only had uh, nine months to do this. And Infinity War said, we only had 18 months to do the campaign, which is dog shit. And we want all these things. And I feel bad for them because it's not the devs' fault. They were forced to do a quick turnaround and crunch this out. But here's what I have as a question. <laughs> I'm a little confused on the timeline here. Because that would mean the way this has been going for 10 years, one dev studio takes over and starts pre-production, production, and post-production, essentially the same philosophy in film and television and a lot of other mediums as for video games. They started the pre-production to, to, to really prototyping and building out in production, early production phase of the COD, of the next COD, a couple years ago. Planning for 2023 release slate, whatever that might have been creatively at the time. Would it be World War II? Would it be a Vietnam? Would it be a, a new modern warfare? Who knows? So my question is, before they decided to make the DLC for Modern Warfare 2, the year 2 expansion, become a full-fledged Modern Warfare 3, tacking on a campaign and throwing in a zombies mode to make it a little more full in feature, before they decided, because you know that if they just did the multiplayer with some of the refinements, improvements, the OG maps, then it's just a glorified map pack for $70, and you cannot, you'd be sued to high heaven. I mean, that would be a point of, like, we're not even getting a new campaign. And this, at least, I mean, the campaign is not really worth fighting on, but the zombies mode alone is great. <laughs> I'm having a blast with it. Is it worth the $70 alone? No. But with the multiplayer and that, it's a new enough game, but no. It sh this should be 30 to $40 at max price makes no sense i was fine buying it my friends were getting it i'm having a blast with it still so i can't knock it because it's not that it's not fun and that's what's so damn confusing and i don't think gamers should ever be put in a predicament where they have to have a philosophical or political argument on the why they decided to purchase a game that they want to have fun with or that they have friends that they want to play with obviously we all judge each other and i used to be one of those bitches that's like oh if you get card you're not when I was in my COD hating phase, because after Black Ops 2, and consequently I never played Black Ops 3 because of this, uh, I, I took a break from COD and I just reverted to hating it. It was my default. I didn't hate the people who played it, and I wasn't like trying to fuck over anybody who did, but I was just like... Um, but yeah, I, was just, I wasn't as much of a fan for a few years when it was in its little spout. And so I took a break from it, and I was just like, eh, I don't know. So yeah, that's all it was to me. But since MW19, it kind of got me back into the groove, got me re reignited and re-excited for it. And there's been a, some, some letdowns. But in hindsight... I don't even know. Like, Cold War, to me, I didn't love, but I didn't hate. Multiplayer was alright. It was solid. Uh, campaign was okay. A lot of people praised the campaign. It didn't just, it just didn't grab me the same way as I was hoping. I liked it. I, I didn't have a problem. It's better than this campaign, for fucking sure. But, I don't know. It just didn't grab me the same way. Maybe I need to give it a shot again, because maybe I wasn't locked in. I might have been going through stuff. I don't know. I did like the zombies. I liked how they improved and refined the zombies. 
Um, a lot of people didn't like the changes. I did. I liked what it did. At least for that iteration. I mean, I'm excited to see what the next full-blown Treyarch does, but I enjoyed it. You know, we had a lot to do in Zombies, and there's a lot of interesting new elements that they added that are carrying over to the one we're playing today. So it's actually kind of interesting. But for the most part, that game was okay. It was solid. But for me, the Zombies is what really saved it, and I didn't know if it would, because it's been a while since I played a Zombies game, and I was skeptical, but I was glad I did. Same case with this. But the weird thing is the multiplayer is better than last year's, and I gave last year's okay praise. At first, during the beta, I liked it more, and I think it was the same with this. I liked the beta of this more. It was just more sample size. It was more clean and simple, and it was a condensed time, so I only had time to play it and not really think about it too much, even though I did a podcast on it. So I think that's part of it. Playing it more and more, I'm starting to realize some technical issues. Some more cracks in the armor of this game as a whole. So I really, I'm sorry that this was an entire setup. I, I didn't mean for this to be this way, but this that was all kind of context. Let me get more into the specifics of my cons for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. I'm so sorry for taking so long, but uh, I do appreciate you listening because um, I do think it was kind of important. And, and I wanted to talk about sequels and all that and trilogy lifespans because that's going to be important going forward. We're going to be starting to see a lot of reboots and re rehashes and for my listeners... I think you should understand the basic philosophies, if you don't already, of what makes a good sequel, in my opinion. So, there you go. Let me get more into the specifics of the cons now. Here we go. Okay, so some of the specific cons I have with this game. In the multiplayer side of things, especially. Okay, I'm not even talking about campaign. Campaign, campaign as a whole is just not good. That's one big con. Um, some other ones. With multiplayer, we have, you know, while, while it's fun, you know, decent movement, good shooting, better visual clarity, uh, we do have the weapons carrying over from the previous Modern Warfare 2, which has never been done. That's kind of cool on paper. In execution, while they're there, you can get your attachments. It's okay, but it's like they're so weak compared to the base standard new guns. It's like, why are they even there? <laughs> Like, yeah, you can use them, and they're still doable, and it's not like they don't shoot, but they gave, like, they either nerfed them, or they gave the new base Modern Warfare 3 guns such a buff that if you're not using the base guns, you're going to be struggling a lot more, like the new ones. And the new guns are actually really good. I am, I'm actually liking all of them. There's, uh, there's a good amount. There's not a lot, but there's a good amount, and the attachments are decent. They, they, they perform nicely. They're fun to use. You know, um... The maps are great. You know, these OG maps are always cool to have, to have map voting. All that's good, but the problem is we have terrible spawn points. And the spawning, you spawn in so fucking fast when you die, which is nice, but you don't even have one second. If they put a three-second timer on your death, which I know might piss off a lot of impatient people, but you can wait three seconds. It gives you time to switch your loadout, to take a drink, to... You know, to stretch your hands, whatever. Three seconds is not a lot of time. Three to five seconds, that time and a little bit of adjustment would prevent people from killing the same person within a five-second time frame. I could literally shoot someone, run across to a general area, not too far, but a good amount, you know, with tech sprint or whatever, and then I can run into them spawning in or running in 
because they spawn in in less than a second, and then they have four seconds to run. I'm running for five seconds. I could run into them again and kill them. Do you know how frustrating that is when you're on the receiving end of that? To be killed by the one person, respawn, and then they're not even spawn camping. It's not like they're hunting you down. They just run into you again. They reactively fire. They have to jump on you because you just spawned back in. They've been running, expecting that they're going to run into people. And then they kill you again, and you get killed by the same person twice in five fucking seconds. It's not like that's happening all the time, but the fact that that could happen at all is an issue. You couple that with a horrible spawn location. Either It's either two things. It's very rarely the middle ground, which is actually a good spawn location. Either you're spawning back into the match so fucking far away <laughs> from the objective or from where the main bottleneck points of interest are, you are not even in the fight for like two minutes you're running, which is an eternity in a COD game. It's like when you spawn in in Hell Let Loose for my Hell Let Loose fans. Great game, by the way. Highly recommend if you're into World War II, Taxim ish games. It's really good. Crossplay, too. Fun enough. Cross-progression, cross uh, partial crossplay. Not fully. Unfortunately. Xbox and PlayStation crossplay. Not uh, console, or I'm sorry, PC to console. But anyway, that's a great game. But you, you spend a lot of time walking and running. And the respawn time is like 30 seconds. But it's a bigger tactical, you know, 90 minute long match. Slower paced, you know. God is meant to be faster paced. But they have these spawn points are so fucking far away. I swear, it's annoying. The pacing of it is annoying when you die, spawn in, take... 30 seconds to run into the objective and by the time you're so fatigued and you kind of go into autopilot while you're running that you're not your guard isn't up and then you're in the objective and then you're dead now they have a higher ttk which is uh, a blessing because anyone who has tried hardcore in this iteration will quickly realize that hardcore does not work in this iteration of god because of the terrible spawn and the flow of pacing it's bad but it's not so bad to the point where it can't be fixed. These are all things that could be adjusted in a massive, you know, patch within the next month. Where they tweak and adjust spawn. Apparently, there's been some news that they've removed certain maps because of horrible, horrible spawn. I'm not so sure about that. I don't know uh, what maps exactly. I haven't read into that. So I can't speak on that. But I will say, if that's the case, it makes a lot of sense. Um, they do have to adjust their spawn points. It's not the end of the world. It's not game-breaking, I don't think, because they can fix it pretty quickly. And I really think they should add a five-second timer on your death. I know that's annoying. It is nice that you spawn in right the fuck away. It is very nice. But because of the spawn location and the distance, if they fix truly, consistently, oh, like 90% of the time the spawn locations are good, if they fix that, then this won't be an issue. But until then, and since that seems like it's harder to do, they can arbitrarily just add in a five-second spawn timer. Because then it gives it time for the system to figure out where to place you so it doesn't place you right where you die. But of course, if the spawn locations are still so broken to the point where a timer doesn't even work, then you're waiting an extra five seconds and still dying regardless. So maybe that might not work. I'm not a game dev. I don't know. But I swear to you that the previous CODs back in the day, the original CODs, uh, Modern Warfare and the Black Ops, they had a slight spawn timer. Not very big. We're not talking more than five seconds. And that gave you time to look at your loadout, to take a breather, take a sip of water, to not punch your monitor, whatever, and then to go back in. 
It's not a 30-second timer. It's not two minutes long. It's not ridiculously long. I think it's doable. What else? Uh, for a tip, for those of you who are enjoying multiplayer, it is fun. It's not, it's not too bad. If you're doing gun customization, and, and they need to fix this, the icons... When you're looking at attachments and modifications, the green arrows versus the red arrows pointing right and left, oh, this is good. The amount of those green arrows, oh, three green, green arrows on vertical recoil control, meaning you get more vertical recoil control, and then two reds on ADS speed and whatever. Those are not accurate. <laughs> Do not look at those as accurate generalizations of stuff. The three arrows for the green vertical recoil might not actually mean anything compared to the next grip you go to that might have one in the green vertical recoil. Press the show details, whatever button that is for you from each one, because I'm on PC, uh, so I'm on keyboard and mouse, but the show details actually shows the percentage statistic difference. It's really clean laid out. It highlights the green of what's affecting it. You can scroll through. It's actually a really good in-depth stats page that gives you the actual numbers that you know, that it literally will tell you the latency, the, the millisecond uh, delay in ADS sp speed. It will tell you the percentage reduction in recoil or in damage. It will show you the optimal range. All that in a really pretty clean, for the most part, stats page. And whatever you're hovering over or selected will highlight what is the pros and what are the cons in the green. So you don't have to thumb through all the details that you don't really need. And it just highlights the the difference compared to obviously what it's what's currently equipped on your on your gun. It's really cool, and I don't think a lot of people are going to hit the show details because it doesn't really sound interesting or sound like it would even give you details on the attachment. But it does, and it gives you much-needed attachments. And in fact, they should take that mechanic and remove it from the show details page and just put it instead of those stupid fucking green arrows. Now, I'm not saying they have to have every stat known to man there. They can still have the show details for the extra stats, but just for the main ones that are applicable for what it's changing in the balance of your gun as of what you're attaching. So if it's a grip that's meant for recoil, and it's showing just the two pros for the recoil and the two cons for the recoil. It just shows those stats in a percentage value, not in this dumbass, vague green numbers that aren't even proportionally accurate to what it's displaying. So do not trust those. Look in the show details if you actually care about how you're balancing out your gun. I do care about that, and I actually like that a lot. I like getting into the weeds of that. It's one of the more fun aspects of the more recent CODs for me is the gunsmith. I really do enjoy it. Because it actually matters. It actually feels and plays differently. Slight. We're talking small percentage ticks, but you feel it in the long run. So it's useful. But it's not a great UI. Also, the same UI as last year. It's a little better. I think they shrunk the size of these fucking horizontal tiles a bit, so it's a little more navigable. But, oh my god. Let's go back to vertical lists. What's wrong with that? I know there's a lot of info. You don't want to make a subsection, subfolder pop out within a list. I don't need any of that. But these large-ass tiles and this ugly-ass horizontal, it literally got a scroll. You got a mouse wheel or, you know, toggle to the left or right to see everything on screen. Like in the zombies loading. Funny enough, this is another huge issue I have with zombies specifically. This is the biggest con to the zombies mode. 
there's some, there's a handful of cons I have with this mode, and I'll talk about that in a second, because it's the mode I've played the most, and that I love the most, so I actually have the most cons to say about it, because I played the most, and I enjoy it the most, so I care about it. But the biggest con is, it's only three player. That's the dumbest fucking shit I've ever seen them pull in a long time. Oh yeah, it's not round bay. Oh yeah, I don't give a fuck about that. That's all fine. They're experimenting. But three player? I know it's DMZ based, but Jesus, fuck. DMZ is fine to have three player because it's never been established that it was four player. But fucking zombies? One of the quintessential four player co-op games to ever exist. And you're just arbitrarily saying, nah, three. Which gives me a lot of fear that every fucking game is going to be three-player co-op from now on. If they have a co-op. The fuck is that? What's so wrong with having a fourth player? We're going down in players, not up. We should be going up. It used to be two-player co-op back in the day. That used to be the peak. Because that's what hardware could afford. Now we're at a place where hardware could afford six, ten, fifteen players if you choose that, if you want that. I understand it changes the balance of the game. So make filtered playlists, make subsections, make different modes. Have different parameters set so when you add another player, it scales the difficulty appropriately so it doesn't break the balance of the game. In a multiplayer sense, figure whatever that balance out is as well. There are certain games where you really don't want to change the team number, you know. Rainbow Six Siege, for example, is 5v5. They should eventually, would be cool to add modes like 6v6, 3v3, that'd be cool, but for now, 5v5 is a standard mode, that's how the flow, that's how the core philosophy and the balance of the game works. A lot is built on that foundation, it'd be very difficult to change it up. So you don't make that the main mode, but you might do a side mode. And I think they did that with Team Deathmatch, so it's fine, it's less consequential. And it gives more opportunities and more ways in the same game, even if it's a different game mode, for players to play. What's great about Rainbow is you can load in with five people of your friends, a five squad, and do that game. I don't get why my friends won't play that as much. It's a great game, and we all now have consoles that we can play it on. It's a tough game to get into, I understand. But I have a five-man squad now for the first time ever that could semi-consistently play that game. And get good, and there's a skill ceiling, and you get to learn, and you, I don't know, it's a growing game, it's one of my favorites. So that would be cool. But COD Zombies at least needs to be four-player, or have a four-player option. I get if you want trios, duos, and quads for this DMZ open-world-like mode. And what's the real kicker, what's the most confusing about this is, it's not that they can't do it, it's not even that it affects the balance of this mode in Zombies, because this mode allows 28 people on the map at a time, or something like that. So, why can't you have squads of four? Fuck it, why can't you have squads of six? Why is it gotta just be four? If it's the biggest COD Zombies map in ever, and it's the most COD Zombie players at a time, why not have a two, three, four, five, and six player squad mode? I mean, the multiplayer allows up to six people, which is why I'm putting it at six. That just makes sense. From a philosophy, game design philosophy standpoint. If they did eight, I mean, they could do that too, but that might be too much work, and who the fuck has seven other friends consistently? I don't think that's as feasible, but six, up to six, 
that's at least a multiplayer limit. You can load in, and, and I hope to God, God forever keeps this, because if they lose this, they're going to be in big trouble. they got to keep that six-player rotation multiplayer. It's one of the great benefits. It's fully cross-play, fully cross-progression, and if you have other friends, there's almost no way one player is cut out from the mix. It's not four players, it's not five, it's six players. You can have six, you have five others than yourself of your friends load into the same game and play together as a team. That's an incredible feat. But four should be the minimum if you're doing a large squad-based co-op game. I understand there's specific co-op games that are designed for two players only. That's perfectly fine. But, um, and I understand certain games are three, but three feels weird. It's that weird half-step. It's like, this could have been four. Why not? Because if you make it on the higher end, you can absolutely scale it down. There's never been a case where logically they can't figure that out. If they made it six-player for zombies, then it doesn't jeopardize the fact they could still have a trios mode. And they can still advertise and feature the trios mode as the main staple of this, the main balancing. That's the other thing. It's still their damn game. They can focus on the feature, the core pinnets of it. Look at Warzone. Warzone is actually focused on four players. That doesn't mean you can't load up in solos, duos, and trios. But it is focusing on four. So when you default, when you squad fill, if there was ranked or tournaments, it's prioritizing the main bread and butter player amount. But it's not negating the fact that you can't have more or less within that limit. Uh, I don't think you can have more than four to a squad, but fine. But you can at least have four. But three... I'm just asking for four. Four wouldn't even accommodate the current friends that I have that are playing this that we all want to play together. We would need five or more. So six would be great. But I just don't get it. And what's really weird, the worst part about all this is when you invite your friends to a lobby in COD zombies in the DMZ zombies mode for this year, the weirdest thing is you can have all four, five, hell, you could have more than that, people in the lobby loading in. And you can even have them all ready up and it shows their icon and you scroll over and it shows the fourth person. We did that the other day just to see. And I was like, well, we've read everywhere. It's only three player, but let's just see. Maybe it is. Maybe no one's actually tried it. And it literally got us in the loading screen and let us ready up with our gear with all four. We only have four people online at the time. Four of us. And I could literally scroll and see everyone there that were readied up. And then it let me even press matchmaking. And then it started to connect. And then it said... Matchmaking fail, playlist error due to too large of a party size or whatever. Which is really weird. It makes me think that they're going to have an update in the next month that will actually allow a duos and a quads mode. Because it is zombies, it's not just DMZ. DMZ, just being trios is one thing, but this should have at minimum quads, if not more. If you're touting this as your biggest game that allows up to 28 players in real time, no one's squatting up with each other. That whole feature is so weird to figure out. And they mentioned, I swear to you, in a video, and I think they've just quietly removed this feature, but in a video, they swear to you they had a mega squad up in this COD Zombies, where if your squad of three meets that squad of three, you both can pair up and you can have a squad of, guess what, six so why the fuck can't you load into a lobby with six people? And I don't know if that feature is even there. I haven't tried it with my squad, and I, I guess we should try it to see if it's even there. I've never seen anyone do that. I've been picked up by a squad of three, so I know you could do at least four. Because I've been picked up by a squad of three as a solo. I joined them, and we were a four-man squad. 
And that's a cool feature for the solo players, for the people who want to socialize and meet new people. It's perfectly fine to have that. I'm not saying remove that. But if we have that, then there's no reason you can't load in with your friends. And it's not like you can, you know, reverse engineer this and say, oh, well, if you have six friends, you split up into trios, you know. And then you just load in the same, you select the same server, you load in the same game, then you squat up in there. You can't even do that. If you could do that, we'd, we'd at least have a workaround. It'd be annoying, be tedious, but it, but it would work. We'd be able to play zombies as a six-man squad together, or a four-man, or a five-man, or whatever the limit. It's very frustrating to not at least have four-player co-op. I can understand that like oh, five or six might be kind of too much for them for some stupid reason, even though it's open world and they've never had this many. I mean, it's 28 players total in the lobby, so I, I really I don't see how that... And it's PvE, it's not even PvP, so it doesn't even change the balance that much. It doesn't matter how many motherfuckers you got shooting these zombies. These zombies are difficult as fuck. I appreciate the challenge. So even if you had 10 motherfuckers shooting at the same zombie with pack a bunch of weapons, in tier 3, you're still going to have a hell of a fight. And that's because they're compensating for if all 28 decided to squad together for some reason. We're all on the same objective. I'm telling you, they're planning for that, like a Diablo game. So I can't help but think the future updates are going to continue this as a live service model. They're going to polish this. They might take this into Treyarch's next COD and have this attached to it. Have the traditional round base and then have this as another COD mode, like their Outbreak. Kind of like what Warzone and DMZ has done, especially Warzone, transcending between CODs and just updating when the new COD comes out, but still free and accessible. I could definitely see this COD Zombies, since it's, it is, does work on paper, it is fun. It does have enough to, to run with, you know. I, I could definitely see this coming to fruition, so that would be cool. So that's my biggest complaint with COD Zombies. There's some other things I wish we could take Wonder Weapons out that aren't just schematics. I wish we had a more easy way of getting into the game. Um, also, the timers need to be more on the COD zombies. If 45 minutes by the time you get in, I was saying earlier an hour. You don't even have an hour. They advertise an hour, but for some reason you don't even get that. The 15 minutes is shaved off right from the jump. What the fuck? By the time your boots are on the ground, you got 45 minutes to get in and get out. That's not enough time to do anything. It's essentially saying, hey, fuck tier one, jump straight into tier two. And if you don't have good gear, that's a grind. And the purpose is to make it RNG based. But and I and I get that, but you can still make it that way, because it's just a difficult fucking game. It's just gonna take time to get further in. That's fine. At the very least, give us a full hour, an actual hour, boots on ground, give us an hour five. Give us five minutes to run the first thing we could pick up, and then from there we have an hour. That, I cannot tell you how much more time that would save. People don't think, people are like saying, give it two hours. Obviously, that would be great, 90 minutes to two hours. But I swear to you, if you give us that 20 extra minutes, that will make a massive fucking difference. And technically, if the helicopter goes away, the timer runs out, you actually have 15 minutes. Shit gets more intense, and you really got to get out in those 15. So technically, you have that 15 minute, but no one really knows that. No one's really going to aim for that. You want to get out by the time the first timer goes out. You just do. You really don't want to fuck around much longer than that. It gets really intense. Done it a couple times and I only stayed for five minutes. It was like ridiculous. So those two fixes, four-player co-op, slightly larger timer, even a full hour, hour five minutes, landing once boots are on the ground, that would be swell. Okay. Um, 
Wonder Weapons would be nice to take out. I'd love to see more schematics for weapons at some point. I would like to ensure to at least have one special insured slot and then two regulars. So the two regular are from your loadout or from your uh, gunsmith armory. And then one you can insure one contraband weapon at a time. That would be a cool system, but I understand that's probably not what they're ever going to do. So fine. Um, what else? I, I think this zombies map is much fun as I have. It's too big. It, uh, like I said before, it could be 25% smaller and it'd be just as fun. And it'd still be the biggest zombies map ever. But if it was a quarter smaller, it'd make things a little more manageable on foot. Also, doing the bounty missions, those are fun because they're quick. They'll give you good rewards. And it's exciting to just hunt down a special enemy. That's fine. I like the mission. I, I don't like that you have to go to a certain point, take the call, and then it slingshots you backwards from honest to God where you came. Every time. It's about 250 meters on average. The opposite direction, and it's almost always with my friend group, it's always right where we came from. So we're, we see that bounty, we target it on the map, then we go there, then we accept it, and then we have to run back exactly where it came just to kill it. When it was right where we were standing when we saw it. So why not have the bounty phone? It could be a bug. They could say, oh, that was a bug. That was never supposed to slingshot you that far. It chews up way too much time. Those two to five minutes of travel time is precious and it's annoying just to get something. And it's worth the reward at the end of the day. So that's what makes it more annoying. So I wish it would stay within a 50 meter radius of your accepted thing. Every other objective does. Almost. Unless like a convoy or something special where you actually have to drive a distance. But that's different. So. Yeah. Uh, what else? That's for zombies. Some multiplayer. Swan, da, 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 da. What else? TTK is okay. Hardcore is a little much. There's something about this COD multiplayer as well. I like it. Don't get me wrong. I think it plays well. I'm having fun with it. But I'll be honest with you, folks. It feels like COD Ghosts. I, I mentioned this to my friends. It feels the most similar to COD Ghosts I've ever felt. And I, I don't even think that's a bad thing. I think people shit on COD Ghosts for the wrong reasons. I don't think COD Ghosts is a great game. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying I don't think it's as bad as people say it is. It was okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. But there's something lackluster. There, there's an energy and a kineticism and a community feeling. Even though it's a still 6v6 mode, there's something about it. Maybe it's because I had my proximity chat turned off, but I don't even think that's it. There's something disconnected with this COD. I can't quite put my finger on it. Maybe it's just a feeling. Maybe it's just me in the multiplayer scenario. Zombies is different. But the multiplayer scenario, it doesn't feel quite like the COD community, you know what I mean? I had this feeling, coincidentally, I've had this feeling with every Sledgehammer multiplayer game. There's something they do in their design where it doesn't quite feel like Call of Duty, and I can't put my finger on it, and I know a lot of people felt this way too. Treyarch Infinity War has this way of making it feel and flow like COD, and that's because they're the best at it, and we've known them the longest with it, but with MW3, with World War II, the 2017 one, and with Vanguard, every main Sledgehammer COD game, and I think there's one in between that even, there's something weird. Infinity War did do Ghost, but Sledgehammer had a lot of help on that, so it's partially influenced by them too. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel, I don't know. It feels like you're playing a clone of COD. It doesn't feel like you're playing COD. Hell, COD Mobile feels like it has more of a COD-based community than, than this, and, and I don't know why. 
I don't know if you felt that way too, but this feels more like I'm playing against soulless bots, which is weird because when I played last year, it still felt the same, but last year it felt like I felt the energy. I felt the, the, the feeling of everyone logging in and playing COD, especially the first few weeks, but even after. This is reminding me of the days when I just played COD by myself just to chill, and I played it months after its initial release. This feels like, and maybe it's because not a lot of people bought this game and played it. I don't know. I mean, it's 6v6. The lobbies are always full, and it's real people jumping around shooting, right? So logically, there's no reason for this to feel this way. And I don't know. I'm not a game designer. I don't know how to, how to translate or even articulate that feeling of multiplayer community when you're going so fast and shooting people. But there's this connective tissue that you feel when you're playing COD, you feel connected to the community. And it's not dependent on community uh, proximity chat because proximity chat was added last year. And I've felt this way about good COD multiplayer games since uh, Black Ops 1. There's something to it, and I can't quite understand what it is. But Modern Warfare 2019 felt like a COD game through and through, and the multiplayer was so good. Modern Warfare 2 still retained some of that. It, it lost features, but it still felt like everyone was playing playing a, a big COD game together. It felt monumental, actually. Yeah, last year, a lot of people played it. It felt like that, even though it had its problems and it wasn't mechanically as smooth. This year, it feels barren. More desolate. And I don't even think it is. I think more people playing this one than the last one. I don't even know. I, I, I don't know. But I do know it feels like it's three months later. It feels... Vanguard felt this way, too, at launch. As did... World War Two, So it's something Sledgehammer does, and I don't quite know. Honestly, it could just be the color. The temperature of their game. Like, the color tone. The When you watch a comparison, last year's was so bright and vibrant. And it's not like hyper-realistic, like cartoonish bright. It was just regular sunlight bright. This is dull. This has a neutral density filter on it. And it's not used properly. It's just this dull gray hazy cloud filter. Someone literally did a video where they took that gray like filter off and it made everything a little brighter, a little more warm, a little more lively. But these cool gray tones, I know they're supposed to make it moody and more like gritty and real. It doesn't. You could do that in campaign. That's fine. That's where you do all your cinematic you know, visual, stylistic flares, but when you do it here, it just takes away some of the liveliness of the game. That's the best thing I think I could pin it on, but other than that, I don't know. It's perplexing, to say the least. So, that's another problem I have with it. This doesn't feel like the traditional everyone's getting in and playing COD. Even COD Cold War had some disconnect, but it still it may have felt like a COD community. Just weirder because I think COVID and all these other things that were going on. But I don't know how else to put it. I, I'm enjoying the multiplayer to an extent, but really not, not as much. If I'm loading up COD, I, this new one, it's most likely going to be 90% 90, 90 of the time now for zombies. I played the bulk of the multiplayer in the beta in the first day of having it because I didn't touch zombies until all my friends had it because I didn't want to do it without them. So first whole day I played multiplayer. Most of the maps, most of the modes, and it was fun. 
I actually had a good time, and I liked upgrading the weapons, and it was nice to be back on some of these classic maps, but there's something missing. Hell, Contractors VR's mods of the maps are even better, so, yeah, those are my cons. Not too many, but enough to kind of weigh this down and say, I don't know, this is kind of neutral. It's good in a lot of areas, but for the most part, it, it doesn't really add too much, and I would, I, I just hope that the next iteration of COD really does. I think it's Treyarch's turn, turn, and I think everyone's excited for that. Especially the zombies community. We need a new full Treyarch game, and we really need zombies to shine. To get, if we got another uh, zombies similar to Black Ops 3. Oh my god. That's what I've been saying. I, I want a remastered zombie so bad. Full collection. Now Microsoft owns them. They could do that. But I don't know. We will see.